cinema oddities late night movies with ben rob and zach this is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre normal or off kilter for contemporary audiences occasionally these projects gel most times they crash hard into the realm of obscurity join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp i'm zach i'm ben and i gave him an equation i made all of this possible we are here in our second week of the unnamed series, which I don't want to get to just yet because we have a special guest here that's going to get to weigh in on what we're calling this series. But of course, it is about the Spider-Men. Last week, we covered the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. And now, of course, like we said back then, we are here to cover the second, I well, the first reboot, the second series of Spider-Man. I don't know what the correct terminology for it is, but we are here to discuss The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Of course, directed by Mark Webb and starring in the titular role, good old Andy G, Andrew Garfield. I got a lot to say in this episode, but I have to say at the start, we are very happy to bring back, for the first time, I think, in 2021, because... I think you were on the last episode of 2020. It's Zenger. Zenger, thank you so much for being here to discuss another superhero property. So just throwing this out there, I almost went 10 years without seeing The Amazing Spider-Man. And <laughs> I really was looking forward to going into double digits not seeing this movie. Like on your calendar, you know, you, if you flip ahead a year, it'll be like, you know, 10 year anniversary of not watching this movie again. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 not, not, not seeing it to begin with. I had to watch this for the first time for this record, both of them back to back and oh, under geez. like 24 hours. Yeah, it was a, it was, it a, was a time. <laughs> it was torturous. Like I had to I had to sit here and focus in on that and not get on YouTube and not get distracted by video games. Try not to watch Deathwish. <laughs> and not clean up my office and not, uh, I'm, I'm saying a ton of stuff I did not clean hats that I don't even wear in the adjoining bathroom. Like I did that instead of watching this procrastinating it at times <laughs> or pausing in the middle of it to just walk away for a little bit. It's tempting. I don't blame you. I mean, I, I do not. It wasn't like tempting. I did it. <laughs> it's still tempting. I mean, I did not. Do, well, Here's I probably did do that at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess that's my early review. <laughs> okay. Okay. We have to ask you, Zanger, because just to give you some setup, you know, when we did this last week, we did our Sam Raimi trilogy. We did a lot of, you know, kind of uh, preamble on what's our stance on Spider-Man. Zach is is the a fan of Spider-Man. Ben's kind of like our resident super fan of Spider-Man, you know, relatively speaking, at least. I have very little interest in superhero movies in general, that type of thing. So, Zenger, I guess we have to ask you, now that you're coming on for Spider-Man, is Spider-Man kind of one of your top-tier superheroes? Is it somewhere in the middle? How do you rank Spider-Man up there in your uh, your comic book lore? Well, the Spider-Mans is something I th I think about often. No, I'm uh, to, be, to be serious, the original Sam Raimi trilogy is like amazing the amazing series is <laughs> written by a group of people sitting in a room saying we need to hold the rights to this thing let's come up with a story i am not saying there was a writer in the room that did that there was a group of people that threw ideas out there and somehow they turned into a movie sure i have a lot to say about that later on absolutely <laughs> and finally to go over the, I guess, current iteration, he's more fun in the MCU because he's in the MCU. Yay. Okay, okay. I still have and not the seen purest, the Tom Holland one, so I can't comment and, on that. Yeah. And the purest version of Spider-Man is, of course, the 90s cartoon. 
Ooh, I think we mentioned that a little bit. I can't remember on mic or off mic, but uh, I know Zach and Ben are fans of some of the animated stuff, which we will probably get to later in this month. So, Zenger, other than the movies, just in kind of comic books, do you like Spider-Man? Like, are you a fan of Spider-Man, I I guess? uh, Spider-Man is somebody that if you mention story, like comic book stories they've done with him, it makes comic book fans, I'm going to say fans and not nerds, but comic book nerds, go wait do they really do that because there's some out there stuff oh yeah i like spider-man but they've done everything with them redone everything with them and you know what i'm still on board for some stuff they do with them he has the slickest suit because he has basically the same you know costume he started with and every one of his alterations are really cool i i like the character they've done a ton of stuff with them he's great to have around and i i like I like quippy Spider-Man. It's fun. I Ah, don't like quippy Andrew Garfield because it feels like he's reading cue cards. Ah, They're being held up by co co I mean, co-actors and people. Okay. I'm going to, I want to, I want to hang on to that because I have some thoughts about our good old friend, Andy G in this movie, but we have to get to something at the start. We're going through the turnstiles over here. This has been debated between Zach and Ben and I a a little bit before, but now that we have you Zanger here, we want to get a thought. We always name our series. Every month we do a series or that doesn't, I can't say that anymore because of the goddamn 2001 Fort Year, Zach. It's not every month anymore. We like to break (laughs) things up into series. And we now have, I think, if I remember correctly from where we ended at the start of um, a, a conversation that has not come out yet, I think I am pitching for this month of Spider-Man. We're doing one month, the month of November for Spider-Man. I want to call it Spider-Man's Giving, which is a name Ben came up with. Ben, what were you pitching the Spectacular Spider-Month? Was that your, your the horse you were backing in this series name now? So for, for I don't know if Zanger has the, uh, the context. Spider-Man's Giving came from the fact that he, November used to be Fansgiving. Mm. So that was... I know Rob has a soft spot in his heart for Thanksgiving, so Spider-Man's giving was something I created knowing he would like it. My, I have two different names that, that I want. One of them is just really stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway. Oh, yes. Which is... <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it. It's just called Spider-Man colon... He's like a spider, but he's a man. Uh, and then the other one is Spectacular Spider-Month, which I think actually sounds good. And which one were you backing, Zach? Did you have a horse that you were uh, throwing your chips into? I love how this is positioned and framed every single time. Yes. So, like, I'm the butt of the joke. Like, I, again, Rob, I want everybody's aware of this. Like, it's not over my head. I want to do Into the Spider Cast. Yes, yes. I, I do like that one, but... Yes. Um, hello, See, Rob? Hello See, Rob, Webs? especially have friends on the podcast, how things work. <laughs> what about Hollow Webs to the Halloween? The, it's for the month of November, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're recording in October. So okay, guess what? We got a we got a quick. fourth or fifth name now to think about. I guess we have a we have a dark horse contender now. <laughs> oh man! Okay, Zenger, I I'm glad you gave us something completely out of left field. <laughs> Web Bember. <laughs> Webs member, oh god. <laughs> okay, okay. So that this is like I think I've said uh, both previous episodes we recorded. One the audience has heard, the cinema audience has heard. One they have not. I think I always say we're not going to know the name of the series until we finish the series. I think this might be like a, a last minute decision. But with that out of the way, Zach, I want to much like this movie. You. Oh yeah, last talk about uh, the second one especially, Zach. How do you want to break this down? How do you want to do it? Do you want to do uh you want to talk about performances? Because I know I was kind of coming at now that we did the three Raimi movies or the three Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. 
I was watching these movies really trying to do a comparison. Because a lot last week, for Zanger, just so you know, we talked a lot about, like, well, what's our Spider-Man? Like, what's the Spider-Man version that we like the best? And and what do we want from Spider-Man? What do we want from Peter Parker? So when I just rewatched the Raimi trilogy, I just went in them and, like, I'm watching movies. The Mark Webb Spider-Man, the two amazing Spider-Mans, I had remembered because I had seen them. Ben and I actually saw one of them in theaters together, which we're going to get to talk about. But... I remembered a lot of these movies, and so I came at it with really trying to compare how, like, you know, the the Peter Parker Spider-Man compares to Tobey Maguire uh, from from the two series. Uh, Of course, we don't have all the comparisons, like Gwen Stacy. I might have done a little comparison with the love interest. But, Zach, what were you thinking of how to break this down? How did you want to go about the amazing Spider-Mans? Oh, I've got a good comparison and contrast. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I guess the idea of just doing these segmented like episodes into both the actor and the corresponding filmmaker, like you think of Spider-Man, it's one of those unique opportunities where you sit there, have Raimi McGuire, mm-hmm. Webb Garfield, Watts Holland, and Tom Holland have a little asterisk because he's been in other Marvel stuff beyond his solo films. Yeah. No, I really don't have a way to tackle this. Okay. I, again, these movies are kind of just like, like Zenger kind of like uh, went right for it. These movies only exist because they wanted to hold on to the rights. So it was like, okay, we need to green light something. It's like Sam Raimi told us to go fuck ourselves. What are we gonna do now? Yep. yep. Um, and we talked mind, about that like, last week. How that how that trilogy petered out. There was no Spider Man four with Raimi. We talked all about the Avi Arad stuff, which which I think is actually really telling. I don't know if you guys saw this, but like you know, we like I just mentioned, we discussed why the Raimi trilogy ended, why it got rebooted. I think it's really telling that when they announced the lizard for the Amazing Spider-Man, as the villain, of course, Avi Arad was like, this is my favorite villain, I've always wanted this in the film. And I'm like, yeah, we know Avi Arad, you're a strong hand type of guy. <laughs> you, you get done what you want to get done, and you push directors out if they don't want to put the lizard in your movie. <laughs> I, but that's the weird thing, though. It's like, I just don't know, because you, you again, Avi Arad being the weird villain of, like, the Marvel yeah, He's Marvel the real villain of the Spider-Man franchise. <laughs> I don't even say like but again like he was involved with iron man and edward norton hulk so like we we also can't forsake him entirely um, we can for we can for the edward norton hulk right maybe not for iron man hulk hulk is the dead in the water I, I, marvel movie i would i would forsake oh god for iron man like you look at that first iron man like that movie feels so antiquated like it's like i want a whopper and like five minutes later he's like eating a burger king like wrapper he's just like literally ingesting it whole um no like the first iron man i, I hope everyone go, I eventually would get back to like okay we get it robert downey jr is a cultural icon whatever but like marvel didn't hit its stride really until like oh god four and captain america like everybody kind of admits that iron man 2 is a dud norton hulk is a dud iron man is so like a product of the late of the mid-2000s iron um, man 3 is the worst movie i know, I know. it Trevor Slattery, singer. Did you see Shang Chi yet? And how many rings, Rob? Um, somewhere between nine and eleven. I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. And you know what? God, I could have watched Black Widow, a better spider-themed movie uh, than either of these, uh, instead of watching. Uh, no, either of no. Those. That, Zanger, that's objective. <laughs> That's a great joke. I like that a lot. <laughs> Black Widow is a better Spider-themed movie than The Amazing Spider-Man. Zinger. Zinger, I like that. <laughs> Put it on the box. Print it. Since I was coming at this from such a comparison standpoint, one of the, the oh, first— I got mine still. What was that? 
So, so I, got, I got my comparison still. Oh, I mean, we're going to make tons of comparisons. I'm trying to guide us into the comparison, Sanger. Ah, okay, good, good, good. Because my I'm, money is set up, and it's delicious, and I can't wait to bite into it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring this all together, because, you know, now we've, we've done last week on all the, the Raimi trilogy. I think the first place I want to start is when I was doing my research for this movie, I actually did go back and watch some trailers after watching these movies, of course. Because Why don't you do that? Because when I watched <laughs> The Amazing Spider-Man... I was like, wow, like so many of my notes from the first Andrew Garfield movie are like, wow, they're really trying to just do everything that wasn't done in the Raimi trilogy. They're like, Gwen Stacy, now she's a main character. And don't have anybody say, with great power comes great responsibility. Have them just obfuscate that sentence. And I have so many notes that I'm like, wow, they really just made this, like every choice. It's like they just had a bunch of scripts and any script that had like something that was in the Raimi trilogy, they crossed out and just amalgamated them all together. And that's what the marketing was like. I don't know if you guys looked into, like, the viral marketing, all the special, like, here's six minutes of Spider, Amazing Spider-Man. He's eight minutes before this movie. Here's a 15-minute, like, special viewing of the, of the opening scene of The Amazing Spider-Man. They were trying to do everything they goddamn could to make sure that you knew, as an audience member, this was nothing like the Sam Raimi trilogy. And I want to throw it over to Zach, and, and probably Ben and Zenger, because you guys follow Spider-Man and superheroes a lot more than I do— is this the case that you got back in like, you know, 2011, uh, whenever the trailers or announcements for this were coming out? Did it seem that they were just trying to make sure everybody knew this was not Spider-Man 4? This was a new Spider-Man because that's what I got from my um, like post hoc looking up the trailers and stuff like that. Oh, God, like going back. I, OK, Rob, I'm not sure if you remember this again, going back to like the first like instance of this. I remember you and I like senior year of high school walking around the school and I remember telling you that they canceled Spider-Man 4. That That's the thing. Like, I, my big memories from, like, this movie's production, mostly in, like, late 2011, early 2012, was I, I, I want to say it's Avi Arad. It might have been one of the other pro- producers, Matt mm-hmm. Tomlack, who's like, we're doing Twilight Cross with the Dark Knight. And I just said, <laughs> I want no parts of this. Like, I, as somebody who adores Spider-Man as a character, um, I'm like, I want no parts of this. The trailers, the trailers made this... Like it was that same gritty thing. It was like the gritty, like okay. Spider-Man yeah, on yes, a level yes. we've never seen before. It was definitely um, marketed a lot like what I remember the Batman Begins trailers looking like. Not mm-hmm. as dark, you know, but in in a very similar tone as those trailers. Yeah, like you could tell. Like I said, there, there is a almost in, in the juxtaposition between the first and second films is so clear in that regard because the second one film actually has like color. Yeah, I, I can. I don't know if it was meant to distance himself from Raimi. Because I think they knew people were walking into this being like, okay, like we like these movies, we can't deviate so much. Um, rewatching The Amazing Spider-Man for the first time probably since like 2014, it felt like there were parallels there. Like, because again, like that was one of the biggest criticisms for this film that was released: the fact that it did so much retreading of what Raimi Spider-Man did. 10 years earlier. Well, here's the thing. I, I read that exact same criticism, but I don't see that. I see this no. movie as both separate and different from the Raimi trilogy. When I was reading criticism about how they retreaded certain topics, I'm like, yeah, because they told Spider-Man's origin story. Like, th- of course you're retreading the the fixed constants of the the lore you're dealing with. I thought that was such a strange criticism. Um, okay, this is the thing though, but like like you said, there is there you're you're not wrong because there are some like they're trying to do things that weren't done in the Raimi trilogy. But I think if you look at things like again, obviously Martin Sheen, 
the like the whole thing with him being Uncle Ben, yeah. the senseless murder of him, the fact that it's done by some derelict who's who's doing a robbery. Um, there are so many different ways to do killing Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. That doesn't feel so derivative. The idea that immediately after that we get like Peter Parker in a very very primitive Spider-Man costume. Not in this case, not even a costume. Just oh god, like a red mask with sunglasses, uh, hunting this guy. There's things like that. You've had the high school stuff of the bully beating him up. Like it, the first act, I think, is where it's where it's at its most similar. And then oh, yeah, yeah. once you start to morph into that second act, you get more of that thing. But even even the end, toward the end of the third act with the lizard um, and Rice Iphens like saves him at the end. That and even with um oh god Dennis Leary's uh, ghost cop dad. Uh, like even that where he's like, 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 I trust you, Peter. Like it, there's, it's not like a one-to-one correlation, but it's just there that like, it just, it's very like, oh God, softly strokes the nostalgia. It's yeah, not I, like what, like rubbing it in hard, but it's there. Exactly. Like, but very, I think, very I light. think that's what, exactly what I'm saying is that, yeah, they have, they have to retread the stuff that is inherent to Spider-Man, but I think. They tried their damnedest to make sure that every little tiny detail, like you know, J. Jonah Jameson in the Amazing Spider-Man trilogies has our series. There's two movies. He has one line, and it's through the subject of an email that Andrew Garfield receives. Like they well, were like, okay. we can't do J. Jonah Jameson. J- we can't okay. do Mary Jane Watson. Okay. To be fair about J. Jonah Jameson, even think about it, the the monolith that is the Marvel Disney machine is like. Even I, I, that's the thing. I remember Zeg and I talked about this when Far From Home came out two plus years ago. The point where like even Disney Marvel's like, okay, this is like per- somebody we all love J.K. Simmons. Of course. Even the fact that even they surrendered to it, being like, okay, we can never top this. <laughs> I know. I guess that, that's the thing about the J.K. Simmons performances. I don't think that's nostalgia. I think you take and, and obviously Zenger being more of a comics book expert, Ben being the Spider Man expert. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is there ever going to be a better iteration of like a live action J. Jonah Jameson than J.K. Simmons' portrayal of him? What better way to start with a character that is not in this this <laughs> two, these two movies? So, but, that, <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I can see him typing that email. I can see J.K. Simmons typing that email. Sure, back. sure. Like I mean, very angrily. Like there is a broken keyboard in front of them. I mean, so the line that I mentioned, the subject of that email that, you know, Andrew Garfield receives um, is just the word in all capital letters, wrong. Thank God this was before Trump, right? I mean, this would have been such a groaner if this was like, oh, Jay Jonason is Trump now, that type of thing. Because wasn't that Trump's whole thing? You would just tweet wrong to people? (laughs) I don't think Jay Jonah could have worked in this iteration. Like, there wasn't a place for him, really. He would have been shoved in here like a story about... Peter Parker's parents being knowing Kirk Connors or well, Zenner, that's exactly being what I'm involved with the Oscorp. This script is the intersection of a hundred scripts that have nothing in common with the Sam Raimi trilogy. Like this is this is like the the set of things that they didn't do in the Sam Raimi trilogy. I really got that sense. Ben, you're the you're right, the, right, the, right, the spider. I got it. I got it. Okay. Before I throw to Ben, Zenger has Parker, an interjection. Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Parker's a nerd in in the Sam Raimi movies. Let's just have him be just an average dude in ours, right? We're going to do that, No, right? no, I disagree cool, with that completely, cool. but I want to get to the Peter Parkers and Spider-Man. He skateboards. That's something losers do. No, I, I skateboard. I, no. No, Zenger, you're getting ahead of me. 
<laughs> We're talking massive script right here. Ben, as our, as our storyline Spider-Man expert, of course, you know all these things. The Lizard, Gwen Stacy, they're all in our Spider-Mans. What do you think about what I've been saying? As I think this is, they're trying to do the bare minimum. They don't want to do anything that was covered by the original tri- uh, the trilogy we covered last week. But they have to do some things. What, what do you think, Ben? Uh, I think that the decision to do the origin again, that, that was kind of strange. I, 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 the, the thing, the only thing that kind of like makes sense to me as to why they would do that is that people like seeing the beginning of stories. And like, even if you look at like the comic book universes, like the beginnings of stories tend to go really well. And then eventually the comic like DC or Marvel have to reset their comic universe anyway, sure. because they run out of shit to do. Um, not that I think that there wasn't more stuff to do that didn't require the, uh, the origin story for this, but, uh, but that's kind of what I'm thinking is that people just like that origin story feeling, yeah, um, outside that, that's also of that kind of on the appeal, not to, sorry to cut you off, but just respond to that. The, the appeal of, isn't that kind of why a lot of people go watch superhero movies? They want to see the regular dude be down and out, turn into some hero. Like, isn't that the, sure. the catharsis of a superhero origin story? So yeah, I get what you're saying for sure. Outside of that, I actually... I, I probably do kind of agree with you. I mean, they they definitely didn't do things the way that, that Raimi did. Um, and then, I don't know, you said you wanted to wait on this Zanger was jumping the gun or something. But, like, with regards to how they how Peter Parker was written in these these movies, like, he's very different than the Peter Parker in the in the Raimi movies. Uh, yes. And oh, yeah. the Raimi movies, they got Peter Parker pretty okay. The, the, the web movies... Like that Peter Parker is not my Peter Parker. Okay. Like okay. he's he's not a, a nerdy outcast loser. Uh or I mean loser maybe isn't even the right word, but like somebody who is like generally disliked or, or, or not thought of. Instead he's this guy who is gonna interfere with bullying. Like he's already a hero. He just then gets superpowers. Oh, the, okay. Yeah. I, I definitely see what you're saying. That was not a like a facet of the character that I was focusing on, but you're absolutely right. And I guess now that Zanger's brought it up, now that Ben's brought it up, I'm getting steamrolled. I never could do anything I want on this podcast, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire versus Andrew Garfield. I got to take a little, a little alleyway. We have to talk about Andrew Garfield. Guys, I don't know if you know this, I fucking love me some Andrew Garfield. It was really <laughs> upsetting that in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think I found the performance of his I really dislike. Because he is making some facial expressions that looks like he's taking a mean oh shit God. in a diaper in yes. some <laughs> scenes with Gwen Stacy. And I'm like, yeah. dude, what are you doing right here? Amazing Spider-Man 2, probably the only time I've seen Andrew Garfield and not liked him. But of course, as Ben and Zach knows, Zanger, you know, if you have never seen it, watch Under the Silver Lake. That movie is fantastic. It's Andrew Garfield's best performance. I first saw him as Eduardo Saverin in The Social Network, which is, as I've said on this podcast, a movie that has no right to be as good as it actually is. And then even recently, I saw Mainstream, I think the Gia Coppola movie. That movie is not good. That movie has nothing to say, but he is amazing in it. I haven't seen, like, Silence, the Scorsese movie. I haven't seen Breathe, which I think is another Mark Webb movie. No, that's an Andy Serkis movie. So I'm not, like, complete on my Andrew Garfield, but I love me some Andrew Garfield. And this is where I want to connect that fact to what I said last time, last week. I don't really have a Spider-Man. That's the thing with me being so, you know, uninterested in the modern comic book movies and lore. I don't really have a version that I latch on to. 
I think by default that makes me say I like Andrew Garfield the best. As I haven't seen Tom Holland yet, of course, but I like him the best as both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And I know last week when we talked about uh, Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, so just as Peter Parker, he is acting Peter Parker with such a sense of timid anxiousness. Like, he's struggling to get words out to form a sentence to Mary Jane when he's Peter Parker. Or to Harry, or to anybody like that. He's very timid, and he's very anxious. I think Andrew Garfield still keeps the anxiousness, but he's a more excited anxiousness version of Peter Parker. He's stumbling over his words. He's, he, he doesn't know how to get a full sentence out. Like, he can speak, but it's not coherent. And I thought that decision was a great comparison of just like, oh, let's take the anxiousness of a nerdy teenager and just make them a little more goofy rather than reserved. I really liked that. I would prefer my Peter Parker to stumble and seem like a weirdo rather than just be like, yeah, if you talk to me, I can I can give you three or four words in a sentence. You know what I mean? So I think I like Andrew Garfield in Peter Parker's performance a lot, lot better. This is separate from the quippiness, which I know Zenger wants to talk about. But I think Andrew Garfield does a great job as a nerdy teenager, for sure. I um, think your definition of nerdy is a little skewed because he is the average teenager for me. Average, uh, run-of-the-mill teenager that I guess is smart. It's implied that he is. Okay, I never we have see talk him about his, We talked about his intelligence last week, which makes a bigger impact in this episode. But, Ben, what, I wanted to know what you think about that, because you had some issues with Peter Parker's, or Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker last week, if I remember correctly. Some of that timidity, I think I'm mentioning. Yeah, so I think I think there are some arenas or some areas where the Andrew Garfield Peter Parker is better than the Tobey Maguire Peter Parker. Last My, night. What was <laughs> My problem, my main problem with with the Andrew Garfield Peter Parker is that he's not actually nerdy enough, and he is. I don't know the thing. The thing with him, like interrupting Flash and being like really bold, like that's not something I expect from Peter Parker either. Okay. So okay. that like, it's it's almost as if like if you took and combined the the Andrew Garfield and the Tobey Maguire Peter Parkers, like you could get a good Peter Parker out of both of their performances. But, oh, Tom I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> but but neither one of them by themselves is good. But but to say that I like I enjoy Andrew Garfield as an actor as well. So I might be a little biased here also, but I definitely like his performance better than Tobey Maguire, who looks like he's going to cry most of the time. Ah, uh, OK, OK. So you prefer the the Tobey Maguire ugly. I think what did. What did James – I know we said it last week, but James Franco called him, like, a frog face or something like that. So you prefer Tobey Maguire's, like, crying frog face to the I'm shitting my pants Andrew Garfield frog face? <laughs> no, no, I – the opposite. Oh, opposite. Prefer, oh, other way around. Okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Other way I, around. Okay. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't prefer the scenes where Andrew Garfield looks like he's shitting himself. It's like, really I, weird. I assume the scene you're talking about is, like, at the graduation when he sees the ghost dad. And he's at, just like, yep, at the graduation when they're breaking up outside of the restaurant after the graduation, like the the dinner that he um, yeah. meets Mar- uh, Gwen Stacy outside. Yeah, there's in like the first 45 minutes, there's scenes where I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what is this facial expression? <laughs> yeah, I don't know whose decision that was, um, but th- that those were bad for sure. OK, but, OK. But overall, I definitely prefer watching Andrew Garfield to to Tobey Maguire, just in part yeah. just because like. Tobey Maguire looks like he's going to cry all the time. Yeah, yeah um, that's also a good point. Would you say, just just on this tangent, because I, I always love to bring it up, would you say that Andrew Garfield's best performance is Under the Silver Lake? From what you've seen. Uh, his, best, his best, like, 
uh, what is it? Not voice acting performance? Yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah, not voice acting. Yeah, absolutely. His live action. Yeah. There, yeah for anybody action, who has yeah. not seen Under the Silver Lake, I recommend you watch it. I don't know where, what timestamp it is, but there is a scene where Andrew Garfield is trying to, like, sneak up on these, this group of three women, and he does so by getting in a pool and holding a beach ball in front of his face. <laughs> <laughs> and it is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. <laughs> Andrew Garfield pulls it off where you're like, I get it. This dude is such an idiot that he thinks he can hide in water with a beach ball in front of him. And his hands are visible on the beach ball. It's great. It's great. <laughs> now, I want to use this as a transition, Andrew Garfield, to you, Zach. I remember, I think I remember, Zach, I wanted to pick your brain. The only other time than prior to this recording I saw The Amazing Spider-Man was because you lent the probably the Blu-ray. If I said you lent me a DVD of it, you might have gotten mad at me. I'm sorry, Zach. Whatever you lent me, I watched I it with my dad. Lent, and I, I, it might have been a DVD that I think about. It, did, okay. Would your parents have had like a Blu-ray player in 2013? Uh, it would have been, been in my PlayStation 3, which I think could play Blu-rays, right? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you did. Yeah. But I didn't know. I didn't. I when I wrote my notes, I wrote DVD, and immediately I was like, "Zach's gonna get mad at me if I say DVD." <laughs> it might have been because, like, in my set, there was a DVD included. So, like, sure, it's very sure. It's possible. But that was the it's first time I saw this movie. I think you know when I was out in college and and you know going different places. Zach was like, "Did you see Spider Man?" I'm like, "No." And he's like, "Well, check it out." And I remember telling you, Zach, I'm like, "This was fine. This was back in what 2012, somewhere Thank after you. that, of course." 13, when, yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't have been as negative as I am now on the um, the popcorn culture of Marvel Cinematic Universe or Marvel movies in general, superheroes in general. I remember saying to you, Zach, I was like, yeah, I kind of like this. I kind of liked Andrew Garfield. This was fun. And Zach was mad at me. Is that the case? I remember you being like, no, Rob, this is not Peter Parker. This is not Spider-Man. I... I remember that happening. Am I misconstruing this, or are you against this I, Andrew okay, Garfield performance? This is, okay, this is, okay, the, the go back to 2013 when we did that, um, I, like I said, when this came out in 2012, I was, not that I was, like, against it, like, I just, like, didn't care. It was, like, everything that they were doing in the marketing, like you said, like, it was, like, they are trying to turn me off. As somebody who loved those Raimi films... Um, this like was hashtag not my Peter Parker. Okay. This was not my Spider-Man. Yeah. And I was like, I, I can still remember like buying the blue, the 3d steelbook Blu-ray in like November of 2012. This was again, when I was in college, like I was the typical broke college student and I took like, Oh God, a ridiculous amount of money. And I bought it at Best Buy that morning. It's cause it was a cool case. And I'm glad I did. Cause like even like opening it up to rewatch it for this recording, it was like, yeah, it's a cool case. Like, like it looks cool. I, at the time, I think I was against it in the sense of like I, I just this wasn't again. I loved Raimi. I loved Tobey Maguire. For this recording, I'm like at this point, I'm just I don't think there is a Spider-Man that is my Spider-Man just because there are so many iterations of the character I've been exposed to now. Sure. Um, like again, I don't think I have a favorite anything when it comes to Spider-Man. I think the only thing I definitely love about anything Spider-Man is just I like the costume. I think I, and I we've mentioned that how many times now between sure. this episode and last one, um, the, the the costume is just iconic. All the like thousands of iterations there are of it now between like movies, comics, video games, even within like, franchise. I'm I'm sure you guys noticed the suit from Amazing Spider-Man one to Amazing Spider-Man two is slightly different. It's it no no, no it is incredibly different because the set Amazing oh, Spider-Man okay. two. Is I, I know the face was different. I didn't notice one. anything in the body. That's why I said it's slightly. It's trying to emulate the Raimi one, and that was a big okay. thing. Like in the like in the lead up to like Amazing Spider-Man two. That was like one of the biggest talking points, like in the fan community. This is back when Twitter was still fun before 
became like a cesspool against Donald Trump. Um, it, it was like, oh, like, wow, they are really, really like trying to like emulate like the Raimi things. The second film is just more Raimi than anything else. It's just it's a poor man's version of that. But we'll get to that in due time. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I guess I don't think I have nothing against this iteration of Peter Parker um, and Spider-Man. Like, I think the costume from Amazing Spider-Man was ambitious relative to like all the conventional means of uh, having that like costume. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker, like I, I definitely uh, share Zenger sentiment. He's too cool. Like, he, like both him and well, we haven't really touched on it much, but Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy, they look like models from a J Crew catalog. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my god, like, the knee high socks on Emma Stone in this movie. I, I'm just like, why? Why are you doing this? Like, what, you know what you're doing. Why are you doing this? <laughs> they're, they're just, and I get it. They're going for a Twilight vibe. They uh, vibe. They yep. wanted oh, yeah. that. You could Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson vibe, and they got it. Like they got they got actors that were compelling in that specific instance. I mean, knee-high knee socks in a lab coat with a clipboard, don't get me wrong. That's that's a good-looking woman regardless. And yes, I know Emma Watson, her original hair color is blonde, so I'm fine with seeing her as a blonde, but fuck those bangs, man. I got. I think my only note on Emma Watson's performance is get rid of the bangs. <laughs> don't crack the bang. Don't crack them. Oh, get rid of those bangs, bro. <laughs> those, those are unappealing. <laughs> I want someone on the Patreon to comment Hermione. Come on, Ben, don't do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, I think, I think you're making a good point with what you say, though, and I think it ties directly into the, the thing that interested me most in this is that, of course, last week we talked about Raimi. We had the whole discussion where it's like, oh, there's scenes in all three of those movies where you remember you're watching a Sam Raimi movie. This is Mark Webb. He's only directed <laughs> 500 Days of Summer before this. The fucking That's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's not how many Days of Summer there are. The, no, not at all. Zenger, you're right. I had to Google that. <laughs> I think this is weird. And when I looked into this, because I had no idea who Mark Webb was, you know, when this got pitched, or even back in the day when these were coming out in theaters. So I looked into it, and it's like, yeah, his only movie prior to either of these is 500 Days of Summer. And they say he was chosen to give, quote, sharp focus to Parker's life. And so I'm like, yeah, they want him to be more emotional. They want him to have more of that romantic relationship. I get what they're saying, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it at all because I swear to you, I would bet money that somebody in a Sony boardroom, they were like, who do we get to direct Spider-Man? And they were like, I heard about this dude. His last name is Webb. And everybody cheered and they went to lunch for the next week and a half. <laughs> no, no, hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. I know exactly what happened. Okay. <laughs> if I may, let's set the scene. <laughs> um, I know this guy, his last name's Webb. He should totally direct this movie. You down for this? <laughs> the other people in the boardroom, after watching him rip that line of Coke, go, y you, you are Mark Webb. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you, you just pitched yourself. <laughs> Do you I got think the job. we're all fucked up enough to not know this? <laughs> I got the job, though, right? I did? Okay, okay, good. Okay, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Webb. It's like, it's like the end of Seven when Kevin Spacey shows up. He shows up to the, Mark Webb shows up to Sony and goes, My name is Webb! <laughs> So, but, you know, on the serious note, I see I more serious. I see more of 500 Days in Summer in this movie than I do Spider-Man. 
This movie, both of these, I think, are severely lacking on action. They're way more personally inclined. Peter Parker has a lot more to do with his personal relationships than I really want from Peter Parker. I'm not saying comparison to the original trilogy. I'm just saying in general. So I kind of get if they want that human emotion, you're going to get someone that stylized with a romantic comedy. And I think, Zach, you've seen 500 Days of Summer more recently than I have. I think I saw that like 10 years ago or maybe even longer since I, Spider-Man. I, I, kind of, I kind of adore 500 Days of Summer. Like, I know it's one of those movies the internet has some sort of like weird like rage hard on for well, the now. En- the ending like, is garbage. The ending is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. I like everything but the ending of 500 Days of Summer. Where I, it's I like, it. hey, Summer, what happened? And it's like, you were right. I love everybody else but you in the world. Go fuck yourself, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> Like I said, it's one of those things where I, I, it's funny, Rob. Like the internet's opinion of that is, I think, contrary to you. Yes. In that, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like went on a podcast and he's like, "My character's the bad guy." He puts all these like unfair assumptions on uh, assumptions on Summer, and I'm like, that, "That you're missing the point of the movie. Like that's not the point of it. The whole point of it's that like life just goes on. It's like it, it's the no. It's not as." Oh God! Hollow is Rob's art, or what's you're the word? You're making it sound like an inner two movie or something like that. It is. It does not have that weight. <laughs> no, well, that, no, I, I said that's no. I think it's the I knew. I don't mean like that. I don't think it's gonna be nihilistic. It's the notion of just like oh, like like relationships come and go. Just like like enjoy. It's like well, what was the thing you used to tell me, Rob? Like nothing matters. I think instead of that, oh yeah, oh, I mean of course. Days, the golden but, the golden motto of life is that nothing matters. We're all killing time until we die. I know, but so I think Rick and I think, Morty. Hey, I've been saying that since I was like six years old. Okay, I beat Rick and Morty to that punch. <laughs> but I think it's the idea that like, Five Hundred Days of Summer's like whole things like it's it's it was a rom com for what like would become hipster culture of the late two thousand stylized okay. rom com. Yes. that's that's what I wanted to that's what I wanted to turn turn this into is that yes, I get if you want like. A personal, like more Peter Parker than Spider-Man, I guess in the context of this month, that's what we're describing. You want someone who can show those realistic relationships in a stylized way. Because don't get me wrong, 500 Days of Summer is stylized. Like Mark Webb has his fingerprints on that. If that's him, I don't know, because that's his only fucking movie. But I get why you would get somebody like that, to be like, we want more emphasis on how does Peter deal with Gwen? How does he deal with Gwen's family? How does he deal with Aunt May? How does he deal with Uncle Ben in... And, you know, not Uncle Ben in the second movie, but still the Gwen Stacy family and things like that. I kind of get where they're coming from. Ghost Dad, yes, of course. How do you deal with Ghost Dad? Also, I want to point this out real quick because there's been some confusion already on this podcast. Uh, There are 92 days in summer, so it would take (laughs) 5.4347826086956. Zinger, have you seen 500 Days of Summer? Uh, no, because there's only 92 okay. days in summer. Well, Once the, again, the woman's name is Summer, isn't it? Isn't that the point? It's not Summer the season, it's Summer the person, right, Zach? I thought her name was Autumn. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Okay. Ben, I'm sorry. We're all taking a pause. We're going to watch 100 minutes of 500 days of summer and come back. <laughs> Ben's like, you guys do that. I'll record the rest of this episode. <laughs> Can can we please insert that clip of Ben like from the beginning being like fuck I'm you don't talk to me, to me. <laughs> every, every time we address him. I don't know. I actually I actually do want to ask Ben. Have you seen Five Hundred Days of Summer, the romantic comedy? I I have not. Okay. okay. Um, but I I was aware that there are not that many days in summer. Um, <laughs> I I assumed that it was about several summers over the course of of several years. About five point three years. I, 
so and it turns out that that's probably also not true. Um, so I, I don't really know anything about that movie other than uh, that Dick Grayson's in it. Her name, yes. <laughs> Her name is a hundred percent Summer in the movie, Zach. I just okay. unless the internet has, I've changed yeah, the internet. Yeah, it's, it's after about a relationship where he spends five hundred days with someone, right? I don't remember the ending. Where he meet? Okay, Rob. This is where you. This is where I, this is the part you said. Like the ending is garbage. Is where like he has the whole thing. He's like going to the job interview for like being an architect, and he's like talking to the woman in the lobby. Oh, and, and then like like he gets See, up and okay. like, like the narrator starts, and it's like, well, then Tom thought, and he's like, "Hi, I'm Weber." His you're name right. Is. You're right. I thought and he's the like, movie and she's ended. Like, Hi, I'm Autumn, and it cuts to yes, like yes. one day of Autumn. Oh, I can imagine you literally just like like taking your shoe off and just throwing it at the screen. I know, no, 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 you're, you're right. Now that you mention that, I do remember that. I was confusing the last scene with this. I think the scene prior to that, when he runs into Summer on the park bench, and Summer is like, "You were right. I never loved you. When I met the person I loved, I knew I was going to love them. You are just universally bad for me." And Joseph Gordon's love it like, "Well, fuck me, I guess." It's very depressing. <laughs> I thought that was the last scene, but you're right. He does meet Autumn, which is. Now that I remember that, that shit's pretentious <laughs> as fuck, bro. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I kind of like that movie. Oh, like, God. You know who likes so, 500 Days of Summer? Just real quick. LaShawn likes 500 Days of Summer. If we ever do a 500 Days of Summer like episode, we'll get him on here. <laughs> I do want to point this out now. If it was 500 Days of a Relationship with a Girl Named Summer, that would translate to about 1.36 y- worth of years. I am pretty so, sure it's 500 days since meeting it, somebody named Summer. Well, like, I think that that's what been it is. One year, point three six, assuming it's not a leap year. I don't know how I, I became the one defending a title. <laughs> the title's stupid, I agree with you, but it does make sense in the narrative, I swear. All I'm saying is there may or may not be a whiteboard behind me with a ton of math written on it now. I don't call this math. It is arithmetic at best. <laughs> So are we talking meteorological summer or calendar summer? Because there's a difference. And now I'm going to go put those figures. Okay, you got you guys. You guys. I want on the record that Zenger is like my antithetical Rob. Like he he gets just as much into the nonsense as Rob does, but like in like in like oh god. In the most like bizarre ways, he's Bizarro Rob. That's yeah, what I he mean, is. Zanger, Zanger, look at it. We're, we're we're Bizarro each other. But you you just set it up. I have to say this. I didn't know where it was going to fit in, but it finally fit in. Ben, in my research for this movie, I found one of the best phrases I've ever encountered. It's something that I think you and I have talked about for years, and I finally think somebody put a phrase to it. So, of course. The difference between meteorological summer and calendar summer? No, I'm going back to Spider-Man. I'm sorry, Zanger. I'm going oh, back okay. to the movies. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> I thought I would have to explain the difference, and I was cleaning so, off my whiteboard to start more math. So my, my opening quote at this episode was when Andrew Garfield says, I gave him an equation. I made all of this possible. I, one, oh, I, love, I love the phrase, I gave him an equation. <laughs> but here's the thing. This is what I found in my research. Of course, as I think out of all four of us, Ben and I are the two who are most astutely prone to recognize that we saw this decay rate algorithm that drives the plot of the first movie. Am I correct, Ben? That we saw it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he like, he like uh, Peter Parker writes it on a piece of paper, shows Dr. Connors. You know, we see like a – it's like a product over a sum with some fractions and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So – this is the thing that I found, which fucking blew my mind. 
this decay rate algorithm, as it's shown in the movie, because they're trying to figure out, well, how unstable is the body after you inject it with these certain weird radioactive Oscorp things? This is inspired by the real-life Gompert's Makem Law of Mortality, which I probably saw in a, in a Wikipedia page somewhere. But I went on further, Ben, and I found that one of their scientific consultants on the film, Dr. James Kakalios, he gave them a variant, this is a quote, a variant of the Gompert's equation multiplied with some mathematical glitter to give it a complex look. Ben, this is the phrase. We've fucking yeah, talked yeah. about all these movies, all these different things, TV shows, whatever. They put nonsense math stuff on the board, and we're like, that's stupid. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Fuck, the last time we did it was a Nightmare Before Christmas, when, like, Jack divided 365 by a Christmas hat, you know? <laughs> right. Like, but I have never heard this phrase before. He called it mathematical glitter. Ben, I think I fell in love with that phrase the moment I read it. Mathematical glitter is not a good thing. I think Zach and Ben know I call glitter the herpes of the art world because it will never leave your skin. Mathematical glitter is great. Statement. <laughs> ben, what do you think? Mathematical glitter. Do you love that phrase as much as I do? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think my feelings about it are, like, exactly the same as yours. It is incredibly accurate in that it is the herpes of the math world. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you, are, uh, you are blowing up the screen with useless, nonsensical information in the hope that someone doesn't know what a sigma is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's upsetting. Mathematical glitter. I fucking love that phrase. <laughs> well, I'm done. What do you guys think? No, I'm done. <laughs> So, is there anything else you guys want to say about the uh, the Peter Parker version of Andrew Garfield? I think that's where we left off. Like, we haven't gotten to Spider-Man yet. Peter Parker, though. Any thoughts? He's Okay, I find him, like, and like I said, this is not Andrew Garfield. This is more of how, the, like, the film positions him. He's a voyeur. Like, in like, kind of an icky voyeur at that. Like, okay. he, like, he has, like, okay, tell me if I'm wrong, but in both the, more the first film, but it's also there in the second film. He just likes watching Gwen Stacy from a distance. Like, that's his thing. Well, maybe she's into that. I clearly, because, like, Uncle Ben tells her and she's not put off by it after that. She she actually, like, he's like, really? (laughs) So you're, I think you're getting at something that's going to blend us into Spider-Man. But you're right. He does, as Peter Parker, he has the eyes for Gwen Stacy, for sure. It's only when he's Spider-Man that he follows her in the second movie, right? Is that the first or the second? That's both, maybe? I don't know. It's the <laughs> second. All the above. All the above, he, yes. So, where he says that he's been like following her around. Yeah, oh, there's the whole scene where she's like, I love this restaurant, we should go there. And he's like, yeah, I know you go there every week. And he's like, oh, she's like, how the fuck did you know that? I know wait, you're wait, Spider-Man, wait. but how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> Hold on a second. Did the same person who wrote this character also write that kid in Jurassic World that just stares at girls? Zenger, I'm vetoing this immediately. There's no dinosaur talk on this episode. <laughs> no, I'm saying because it's the same pickup style. You, I, I you just... mentioned a dinosaur. We're done. Pick a different movie. Frame it a different way. We're not doing dinosaurs. I know that for <laughs> sure. We got lizards. That's close enough for dinosaurs. Okay, Zanger? <laughs> hey, they say dinosaur in the movie. I can technically use it once. Um, I, I, have a, I, guess, I have a special I thing on my a... TV that whenever anybody says the word dinosaur, it bleeps it out. So I did not pick that up. Just just saying. Awesome. Perfect. <laughs> um, no, I was about to say, I mean, he has the he has the stare of a Ted Bundy. Just, <laughs> just really just... just that's Pick a better somebody reference out of a for crowd us. and just 
looks at him. Oh, I mean... Thousand-yard stare. I know what you're saying, but, okay, I'm glad you bring this up, because this was something I, I was really interested in reading about Andrew Garfield taking this role. In the first movie and kind of the start of the second movie, the reason that this, this franchise or this series does not continue has a lot to do with Andrew Garfield, which I want to talk about, because it's one of my favorite things, how angry he was at Sony. But before all that anger happened... how much he hated Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> Zanger. I got one. I got the one. That was a joke. I know that. (laughs) So when I looked into Andrew Garfield when he was cast as Spider-Man, I was really like, well, how is he going to portray it? Because once again, like I said, I wanted to do this comparison between Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. I actually find it really interesting. Garfield explored his Spider-Man. So now transitioning into the Spider-Man, he's viewing it as a version of internet anonymity. This is what he said, quote, Peter becomes witty when he's got that protective layer. It's like he's on an internet message board. He's got the anonymity of the internet within that suit, and he can say whatever the fuck he likes, and he can get away with anything. And I'm just kind of like... anonymity, not the anonymity of the internet. So, here's my follow-up, Ben. Just on that quote... You're right. It's Spider-Man. It's not the anonymity of the internet. It's not the, you know, I can put a VPN on. A mask is a very different from, a different thing from a VPN. I have to say that in that first Amazing Spider-Man movie, we see Spider-Man dodge like six bullets at point-blank range. If that's yes. not internet anonymity, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> is. Like, that is Andrew Garfield avoiding cancellation, if I've ever seen it, when I put those two together. This is something I wanted to ask as we transition to Spider-Man. Ben, can fucking Spider-Man do, like, Matrix bullet time? Can Spider-Man dodge five or six bullets from a cop fired at him at point-blank range? Is this a thing? Uh, It did seem a little extreme, but, I mean, he... He has the reflexes to dodge where the person's going to be shooting at, which is the only way to actually dodge bullets because yeah. bullets move too fast. Um, so it's possible that he could, you know, move out of the way of where the person's going to shoot. Um, but no, he's not fast enough to, to dodge bullets at that range. Okay, okay. Uh, this, this blew me away when this happened in the fir- in the Amazing Spider-Man. I was like, holy shit. I was like, Spider-Man can do that? I was like, Spider-Man is Neo? <laughs> Okay, so I now here's here's the next big thing. I think Andrew Garfield in this movie blends Peter Parker and Spider-Man more than the first the Raimi trilogy. I feel like the Raimi trilogy tries really really hard to keep them as separate, like like you would expect in like a Batman versus Bruce Wayne, like we have a Spider-Man versus Peter Parker. I think we talked about that a little bit. The third movie of Raimi's trilogy changes that, and we have Venom coming in and Peter Parker's getting much more confident, that type of stuff. I feel like this movie, once Andrew Garfield is Spider-Man, they start to blend together completely. And maybe that's what you guys were getting at, where he's not really a nerd. He's he's this kind of, you know, just regular high school kid. I, I see him as a nerd before he becomes Spider-Man. When he does become Spider-Man, the two personas blend together, and that's almost like the, the essence of this movie, where... Tobey Maguire kept Peter Parker and Spider-Man separate for the most part. Of course, they blend together narratively. But in this movie, it really seemed to be like, oh, once Andrew Garfield realizes his powers, he's just like, we'll throw these all together. And I think that's best exemplified, of course, by him at the, like, 70-minute mark, like, very early on in the first movie. He says to Gwen Stacy, yeah, I'm Spider-Man, don't you want to fuck? 
I don't, I don't know. What do you? I, I want to get Ben's opinion on that, of course, because that, that's like a really <laughs> blended opinion. I think Spider-Man and Peter Parker are blended. <laughs> Zach's making me laugh. Blended more in this movie than the Raimi trilogy. You know what I mean? Uh, I I definitely agree that they are blended more, but I disagree that it happens after he becomes Spider-Man. And my main point of evidence for this is that first interaction where he stops Flash from bullying. Um, oh. Gordon. Yeah, the already hero thing that you were mentioning. Someone yes. was mentioning earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Okay, that's that's fair. And I kind of get your guys' criticism now saying that, you know, maybe it would have been better if we had a really, really nerdy high school kid who becomes this hero. He's not already, like, goodwill of heart type of thing, right? Right, and that's, that's what Spider-Man has always been. And that's my main problem with this movie. Like, the character, when he's portraying Spider-Man, like, his quippiness... You know, maybe Zanger might be on something with the fact that the lines aren't delivered the best, but we can at least say that he's actually quippy, whereas the same Rami Spider-Man is not. Um, So he, you know, he's at least trying to to be that character. But um, here's my thing. This is where now that you've you've weighed in on this, I don't think Spider-Man is reading off of cue cards. I kind of loved the quippiness of Spider-Man. I I also did. Because it's so clunky sometimes. Like, I love that in the first movie, he's learning how to be quippy, almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The the bit with the knives, like, that was... So oh, much. yeah, yeah. Second, I'm talking about the first movie. Second movie's a fucking wash, which might be its own part of this discussion, because the second movie's a fucking nightmare, especially with those facial expressions. But that first movie, that scene when he's, like, you know, trying to find Uncle Ben's killer, and he's doing the whole quippy thing, I love the scene when the cops show up and he expects the cops to be on his side and has to run when he realizes, oh shit, no, I'm just another lunatic in a mask, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> right. That's all um, good fun, yeah. But the one thing I have to say where it's like, he's not really Spider-Man, is that the whole origin story with Uncle Ben and him deciding he needed to do good because he, you know, didn't do it that one time, like, that's not why he becomes Spider-Man in this movie. Like, he's mm. already that guy who wants to do good, and then he decides to try to get vengeance for Uncle Ben, which Uncle Ben already told him not to get vengeance. Yep. Like, I don't, I just, I feel like he's not Spider-Man in the, like, in the motivational sense. Sure, sure. They had to do the origin in The Amazing Spider-Man, but they pared it down greatly. Of course, Peter is still the instigator, you know, however many degrees removed, he's still the instigator of why Uncle Ben dies. But in The Amazing Spider-Man, it seems... It's so so far removed. So loose. I was about to say so loose, yes. It's like you're playing six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like six degrees of killing Uncle Ben. It's like, I didn't stop this car, and then that car turned out a red light when I could have stopped it. And it's like seven things later, Uncle Ben's dead. And Andrew Garfield's like, this is my fault! (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it, it almost goes the route of like, he's not even necessarily feeling like it's his fault so much as he's just angry it happened. Yes. Yes, and absolutely. that's what that's what I'm saying. Like motivationally, he's just not Spider-Man, but behaviorally, with the quips and everything like that, he is much closer to the Spider-Man I prefer ah. over over the Tobey Maguire one. Just a quick interjection on this topic: Do you think if they made the Amazing Spider-Man three, they would have included the Sandman and they would have retconned Uncle Ben's death? Ben, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> do you think they would have redone the Raimi three? aspect well, if of that they, if they had retconned it in a way to make him more responsible i might have been on board with it <laughs> but <laughs> uh but they didn't they don't need a third movie to destroy the origin because they destroyed the origin in the first movie 
Fair. That's a fair point. <laughs> Do you think in the third movie they retcon to make it the original origin story? <laughs> that, like, I don't so know, maybe... Andrew Garfield was on, like, a mushroom or something and hallucinated it wrong? <laughs> so, How so else would you retcon it? Real responsible and feel responsible because yeah. that's what should inspire him to become Spider-Man? Yes. Like, that's the yes. thing. is His motivation just doesn't exist in these movies. I would agree. Do we have anything else to say about Spider-Man or Peter Parker, the character? Because I think Ben set us up well to uh, blend into Aunt May and Uncle Ben. But if you guys have anything else about uh, Andrew Garfield in this, or comparisons, go for it. I I do want to point out a few things. One, I've been looking up way too much information on Spider-Man. Peter Parker is about 5'10", normally, in the comics. And according to this mathematics that I've got here, um, he should be able to run at a sprint speed of up to 275 miles an hour. Okay, because quick. spiders can is, move Is that mathematics about... or algebra? Ben, wait here. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, arithmetic. It's, it's yeah, yeah, it's arithmetic. arithmetic. Sorry, oh, I fucked it up. <laughs> so I, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But no, I was just like, can he dodge bullets? And according to this, his reflexes are five times faster than a human's without taking into account his spider sense, which I'm like, Okay, so I guess that makes it even faster then, five, but I guess five just times is not enough. I mean, if you watch 15, the Matrix 15 movie, fifteen times faster. I think fifteen is not. I think when Matrix goes into bullet time for Neo to dodge a bullet, you're looking at like one sixtieth of the time or something like that. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no way bullets travel way. Well, fast. according to this, it says he frequently is able to dodge automatic gunfire from multiple sources provided some distance between him and the source, though. (laughs) So, I guess it's Spider-Man can dodge a bullet from 100 miles away. You're not dodging bullets when the people miss. (laughs) True, true. Um, No, so Spider-Man, as I've always seen it as, Peter Parker is a nerd. Yeah, He's a, a very quippy nerd that when well, able well, is to he hide quippy behind as mask, Peter Parker or is he quippy only as Spider-Man? That's my question for you. He's quippy as Peter Parker, but Peter Parker isn't going to say that stuff. Spider-Man, however, does has the confidence to actually say that so stuff. Doesn't so doesn't that make perfect sense about the, on, the internet anonymity thing that Andrew Garfield was going for that I was saying earlier? Like when he has the yeah, mask that, on, that he actually, feels protected? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that's a good that take. Actually, it, it is a good it, – that's because that's the thing. If you have Parker, Parker's not going to say that stuff out loud. Spider-Man will say anything because that's what he does. And I think it's been pointed out that he does that to cope with, like, like, like it's it's his way of coping with, like, high-intensity situations it's, or something. It's burning nervous energy. Yeah. It's a yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I that's a- something they did a good job in both movies of, for the most part, of when he's Spider-Man – He's he's got quips. He's witty. He makes yeah. comments about everybody. When he's Peter Parker, he's quiet and in the corner or skateboarding all over the place and dunking Except on people. Except whenever he's confronting Flash and dunking <laughs> on people and you know doing all these other extreme things like using a camera. Right. So I I guess you know I know Ben you said you were mentioning Aunt May and Uncle Ben and I want to transition to that. But another thing I thought of this movie treats the powers very differently than the Sam Raimi trilogy. To go back to what I was saying earlier, how they didn't want to just repeat the um, the things from the Tobey Maguire three movies. So I thought it was very interesting that if you guys remember, all, all three of you, I don't know, Zanger, the last time you watched the, uh, the Raimi movies, but when Peter... Uh, every alternating weekend. Oh, that's rough, dude. How do you do that? <laughs> very carefully. So 
in the original uh, Raimi Spider-Man, when Peter Parker first gets his spider sense, there's a big slow motion scene in the high school hallway where he like sees the punch being thrown. He sees someone dropping something. He sees a fly on a locker, you know? It's very visual. I thought it was really interesting that in that first scene when Peter gets his spider sense, it's that the... In The Amazing Spider-Man, it's when um, Andrew Garfield is on the subway and he rips off the woman's blouse and, like, exposes her lingerie and he's fighting the people there. It comes as a sound cue. It's It doesn't have yep. the visual flair that it did in the original, which is another, once again, a reason where they were like, we can't do that. The Sam Raimi did it. We need to keep it different. I don't think this is unfair to the audience because I was trying to put myself in the mindset. If, if you're watching that scene... When Andrew Garfield gets his spider sense, you see him react to something really fast. It's like five seconds of what you're watching. But we know as an audience that he's using his spider sense, that he saw that punch or that like wooden block coming or whatever the fuck it is. Do you think it's unfair to trust that the audience know he ha- knows he has spidey senses? Because the Tobey Maguire trilogy, the Raimi trilogy, Tobey Maguire seeing everything in the hallway, and we see it as well, everything slowed down, and then the final beat is that punch coming to his face, he dodges it in slow motion, he looks at Flash, you know, it's so grandiose in the Raimi trilogy. Is it unfair to the audience to make Spidey's sense so minimal? Like, honestly... I was trying to put myself in the mindset, if I did not know what Spider-Sense was, I think I would have watched The Amazing Spider-Man, this scene on the subway that I'm mentioning, and I would have went, what the fuck just happened? How was he able to do that? Is it unfair to believe an audience knows what Spidey-Sense is? That's a big question I have. Uh, can, can, can I start this by pitching, by how they pitch that scene real quick? Are we doing a sketch again? Go for it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> He rips off a girl's shirt to other person responding to that person. Yes. To get that he has spider sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why. That's why he does it. No other reason. Well, well, his hands rip off the shirt because they stick to it. Like, he doesn't yeah, know how yeah, to yeah. control I'm... his stickiness yet. Like, he gets his – that's another thing. I guess maybe that might be the, the superstructure question I'm asking. In question – I said question. Superstructure question I'm asking. In the Sam Raimi trilogy, Tobey Maguire gets his – powers periodically like he starts to realize he can climb he starts to realize he can shoot webs he starts to realize spider sense in this movie it's almost like as soon as andrew garfield gets bit by the spider he's just fucking spider-man and it's all comes at once his hands are sticking to everything i don't know this was a storytelling aspect i wanted to pick your brain on ben like what do you like better do you like the gradual origin of him learning his powers or do you want the overload of him being just you know blasted by all this new information that his hands, eyes, and rest of his body can do. Uh, I really liked him being thrust into his powers. Okay. Uh, that's something that that I've kind of appreciated from, from different Spider-Man stories, you know, throughout time, is is that he... Because, like, in, in when, as Tobey Maguire, he, like, sees the hairs on his fingers, and he's like, oh, I might be able to climb walls. Yep. Like, he just somehow thinks... He, like, he just decides that, I guess. Well, I, I think he decides that he, I think there's a scene in the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire that he like tries to throw trash and it sticks to him in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very small moment about that. Yeah. If there is, I I missed it. But, I, no, I, no, I, don't... I agree with you. It's so small. It's unrecognizable. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Where this, but... we have him sticking to everything. <laughs> yes. 
and that's uh, that feels like more, I don't know, lighthearted, slapstick, funny, yes, kind of oh, shit. Sure, and, I mean, and and I I feel like that fits the vibe of what I want from Spider Man more. So my my question is then is is that like I know what you're saying, and and if you just look in a vacuum at the how does Spider Man get his powers? Is it gradually or quickly? That that's what we're talking about. I don't like that in this, the Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield gets his powers gradually, but then they seem to come and go whenever the fuck they're convenient. Like, we get a scene where he's fucking sticking to everything. Like, hands, arms, like, he's just fucking ruining this subway. And then just out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, I can pick up this pen and write with it and put it down. And it's like, what the fuck happened? Like, this movie is very convenient with his Spider-Man powers at the start of the origin. That's true to some degree, but at the same time, I mean, that's... Spider-Man canonically like has control over when he sticks to things so that's something he would have developed uh okay and so, it's, his emotions are yes, also involved yes. in that so like him being scared and panicky on the subway um could make up for some of that in the amazing spider-man are you okay with off-screen him learning to use his powers because i thought that was a big deal of it like when to stick to things when to climb walls of course in this movie he builds his web shooters that's not even part of this conversation because they're mechanical. I felt that this movie played Andrew Garfield just to like, you know, he would stick to everything in the subway and then he'd go home and he'd stick to everything and he'd be like, oh, Aunt May, I fucking, I'm sticking to everything, you know? And then it just kind of goes away and he sticks to things when it's convenient. I get that there's a time lapse and he's learning it. I'm totally fine with that, but I didn't like that as a movie. In a comic book, I'd be fine, but in a movie, when five minutes passed and he's like, oh yeah, sometimes I'll stick to your gun, sometimes I won't, I'm just like, I wish I had a scene where he learned how to hold on to things. Like, I want that detail in my superhero powers. You know what I mean? Um, I want I a mean, bloated we, movie to get even more bloated. We I kind mean, of get that with the flash in the basketball scene. Uh, but I, I, I get what you're saying. And oh, I, I think you're I'm right. When he's holding it. the basket, he's like, come on, get come on, get it. Come on, get it. You know, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, come on, take it. Like, like he's having... He has some control over it at that point, but he doesn't have perfect control over it. See, I think, I think there's better, because neither of these movies, we're talking about The Amazing Spider-Man and the original Spider-Man, when they get their powers. I don't think either of them do it well, but I would just love to see a scene where they have an issue with this. I think what it takes till Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2 for him to like fall off a wall and be like, oh, maybe I'm losing my powers. I would have loved any scene where Andrew Garfield's like, I need to figure out how to grab onto something. Like, I want that detail. And Zach knows this about me. Zach, Zach knows I love horror movies where the first 90% of the horror movie is how the villain arrives. And then the last 10% is just slashing people. That's what I want for my superhero movie. I want them struggling with their powers. And this seems just I like, no, 45 minutes, here we go. <laughs> might I recommend uh, Into the Spider-Verse, then? That might have the heap and helping of what you want. We're, I've never seen that, but we're covering and that later to. this month. Supposedly. You need to. Allegedly. <laughs> but you guys know what I mean, right? That I want detail of the powers. Like, yes, when I asked the question before, is it fair to an audience to just expect them to know what Spidey Sense is? Part of me says no, because... It's a movie. You should explain things. Well, okay. Part of me uh, says I, what, yes because it's Spider Man. That's what I'm. That's. Oh, like, I, no, I have an internal argument, talk- Zach. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is no. But I, you brought up an interesting point, and this kind of goes to. I, and Zenger might have heard of this, Ben. I I don't know how tapped you are to like the like contemporary Marvel nonsense. In the Eternals, 
you have one of the main characters named Icarus, and this has been like a weird like non-traversy in the fan community where a character in that movie like goes up to this character, Icarus, and says, you shoot laser beams out of your eyes just like Superman. And like the internet is mad because it's like, what? We're referencing like almost a 100-year-old character's like an ability only they're known to have. And it's the idea, Rob, is that like, like you said, like, what is that foundation for knowing the abilities of a superhero character? Yeah, like, exactly. A trait. Because th- this makes so much more sense in the Batman world, in the Superman world. Because Batman and Superman are polar extremes. Batman has jujitsu or martial arts. Or ben will probably know what he practices better than I do. Superman has everything. everything. <laughs> so what well, does Spider-Man Batman have? How does he learn to be Spider-Man? That's what I want to see in my super. I know I've said it. I've used this example so many times, Zach. I love Pumpkinhead. Because the first 70% of Pumpkinhead is why does Pumpkinhead exist? Like, that's the shit I live whoa, for whoa, whoa, in my whoa, origin whoa, stories. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think, I think you're confusing it. I think Pumpkinhead is lore. There's a difference between sure. lore yeah. and reading, like, a technical manual. And I think that's the thing. <laughs> I, it, it, it's kind of like, it reminds me of that line of, oh, God, what's his name? What's his name? From, You're really uh, right about that. Absolutely. I bet. I bet if we asked Zanger and Ben, why does Pumpkinhead exist? They'd be like, what the fuck is Pumpkinhead? <laughs> Where you ask anybody on the random fucking street, you say, Spider-Man, what abilities he's got? They're going to go webs, Spidey sense, climbs, you know? <laughs> That'd be a great family feud topic. Like what ability is Spider-Man known for? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. There is an established lore, and that's why I was saying I don't think it's unfair to expect an audience to know what Spidey Sense is. Because but I no, but felt... this is well, well, go Rob, for it. Well, but okay, this is the thing though, Rob, is that like Spider-Man now? I I, I would fair to say, and please, Zenger and Ben push back if you think this is false. Is the most ubiquitous superhero at I would say of what the last fifteen twenty years? This and Batman. Okay. Rob, do you feel you need to be explained that Batman's power is he's rich? Do they need to show no. a vault full of money for you to understand, <laughs> oh, right, his superpower uh, is... My real like, answer, Zenger, well, well, only, well, well. only if Bruce Wayne dives into that vault of yeah. gold coins like Scrooge McDuck. Zach, did I steal I'm your joke? I'm literally about to say that. Oh, God, Zach, but, oh shit, we've been doing this way too long, Zach. We might need to take a year break or something. <laughs> Zenger's like, so Rob, you want that scene of him climbing up the giant diving board into, like, the Olympic swimming pool of gold coins? It's like, come on, Rob. See, Zenger, Zenger, you can't ask me this question because if you remember, this was years ago, Zenger, but when Zach asked me and Jeremy to, uh, and Inspirator Complex, to record the theme song for Knights of Vader, I sent him a first version, and he said, this is good, but I want it more like the DuckTales theme song. (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> Zach and I are on <laughs> on the level with DuckTales. You can't you can't beat us to that punch. <laughs> but 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 my point still remains. Do you need that reminder in each movie to remind you, oh right, he's rich? Or is it just one of those things they make in each they put in each movie but then cut it at the last minute? Well now now I feel like you're treating richness as Batman's superpower. And then is the it end, not? It, no, it is. You're not. It's one of his superpowers. <laughs> but that that is the exact thing you're getting at. If if a character has a superpower, whether it be money or whether it be Spidey sense, 
Why does Hollywood feel the need to remind us of that type of thing? That's what I'm asking. Is it misguided producers? That's what it is. It's it's the reason why Amazing Spider-Man is. I don't know if it's misguided. I think it's completion. Like, could could you honestly make a goddamn Spider-Man movie and show off his powers? And not explain what they are. Homecoming. Can you do that? Homecoming, Spider Man, Homecoming. I, okay. I've been I gotta see those. To I gotta it. see those. <laughs> Even Civil War. Civil yeah. War does it basically. Like it just assumes like you know all the no, baggage. No, that comes with L- literally. I I've seen Civil War. I've not seen all Marvel movies. I've seen Civil War. I remember that scene. Toby, uh, not Toby. Tom Holland goes into his bedroom. Fucking Robert Downey Jr. pops out and goes, "Your Aunt May is hot," and that's the end of that scene. That is literally right. all that happens in that scene. I swear to you. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing, though, Rob, is that, like, okay, as somebody who saw Civil War opening night, all it took was that, like, establishing shot of New York, and it says Queens, and everybody knew everything you needed to know about that iteration of the character, like, the fundamentals was there in that But one is, this, is this well, fair no, no, no. as a cultural standpoint? Should we, should we be removing things from our narrative because we expect enough people to understand it? That's my Hold big on. question. My thing is this. It showed him web-swinging and doing that because um, Robert Downey Jr., after he talked about Hot Aunt May, showed the, pic, showed like the YouTube video of him saving the people, and it showed him web-swinging, using web-shooters. This is and 100% a deleted scene. I swear to you, Zenger, when no, Robert Downey Jr. says there. Aunt May... No, Robert, Downey, Robert Downey Jr. spikes right the camera and says Marissa Tomei is a fucking fox. And the scene oh. ends. I swear to you, that's what happens. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Ellie's like, which Spider-Man are you watching? I'm like, not the one with the hot um, aunt. And she goes, I cannot believe you distinguish him that way. And I'm <laughs> like, it's the only way to <laughs> distinguish him anymore. Here, cool. Here's maybe a different... Can we talk about Sally Field? Can we talk no, about okay, Sally? no, Zach, Zach, you know I got a Sally Field corner. You know I got a Sally Field corner because she's a fucking loser of an actress. She never should have won that Oscar. She's a fucking... Terrible person. Uh, we're going to get to that. But here's my question. Before we recorded, we talked about Dune. Dune, one of the biggest, most important sci-fi novels of human history. Do you think it's okay if they just picked up Dune from the second half? Of course, the Dune, Denis Villeneuve Dune came out. It sets up, oh, you know, the, uh, what, the Bene Gizarat that has the um, psychic abilities that, you know, or Rose the Hat Benny is Gesserit? training uh, Bene Gesserit. I said Gesserit. Gesserit. Yeah, Bene Gesserit. Here's the thing. Rob, did you just make a Doctor Sleep reference? Rose the Hat. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Jesus. It's all the only way Jesus. I know her. Too soon, Rob. She's Too a terrible soon. actress. She should really stop. Um, so here, here's the thing. Do, do we leave it to market research to say, oh, we're releasing this property based on an established lore? Comic books, Dune, uh, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, books, whatever. Hold on. Zanger, let me finish. Jesus Christ. Do we (laughs) think this is fair? How much much effort do we put on the audience? Like, why is it okay that in The Amazing Spider-Man we go, oh, because there's a little jingle of a sound cue, we know Andrew Garfield's using Spider-Sense, versus, no, we need a literal hour explaining why Paul Atreides can have the power of suggestion. What's the difference? Is it really just cultural knowledge? Because I can I can bet you if we picked a small enough region, I'm not talking global, 
everybody was know about Dune as much as they know about Spider-Man. These are equally consistent on a local level, not a global level. That's different stuff. Do you guys know what I'm saying? I think this is unfair well, okay, to expect okay, something no. from an audience well, well, from an okay, established well, lore. Okay, I'm glad you brought up Dune because I did expect to talk about that in this. Obviously, comparing it, like, the idea of, like, rebooting something X amount of years later. You're That's the thing, though, Rob. We live in this world now where, like, so much is borrowed from these things that have yeah. been in the culture for we're talking like half a century. Um, like I said, my joke coming out of Dune twenty twenty one was I liked it better when they called it Star Wars because somebody I forget who it was one film critic was like, oh, like everybody who's made a science fiction film since her um oh god uh, oh god what's his name Herbert Frank Rob. Herbert. Frank Herbert. Oh, thank oh you. you're talking about the author of Dune. Okay, yeah, Frank yes, Herbert. Yeah, okay. Yeah, They're talking about the director. <laughs> Frank, like, ever since Frank Herbert wrote Dune, every filmmaker that's made a science fiction film has pillaged from that. No. That has well, kind cherry picked from it. Cherry picked from it. We should do a Dune episode with Chris on just because I can talk about Heinlein again. Jeez, Heinlein is such a better author than Herbert. But, that, no, but, sure. I think, but I think the point is that they took the iconic moments, the things that would resonate with with the masses, and they streamlined it and really kind of curated it in a way that it would be easily digestible for the masses. And I think that's what's happened with Spider-Man, Rob, is that, like, I think Spider-Man being a, a, one of the two most ubiquitous comic book superhero characters of all time – I think it's in a way, yes, I, I know, yes, thing, you want lore, but I think you're kind of misconstruing it as you want to see everything kind of laid out. You're there's a right. There, there's also a level of, of, of a cultural osmosis where, you know, Spider-Man has had, had uh, comics that I've, I've been introduced to, had TV shows, animated shows, action figures, like other people I knew, like kids when I was young, they love Spider-Man. Never happened for Dune. I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's it. But it's the thing, though. It's that David, like I said, you look at Star Wars and the idea of like it's the Joseph Campbell thing of the hero's myth, like all this. And I think that's the thing. So, like the elements that are the easiest to be digestible have been cherry picked and they've been slightly tweaked and spun in a way that it's just everyone can consume it. I imagine if you went back to like the original, probably first couple of years of Spider Man comics. There's probably abilities that Spider-Man has a character, more nuanced, not not like yeah. the really like sensational abilities that have been kind of laid by the wayside yeah, just because yeah. the things that are this really spectacular, pardon the pun, and just like easy to just understand at first glimpse are the you, things that now like just like we we assume about the characters. I think Zenger, were we talking about this in one of our many Spider-Man conversations that like you really don't get the spider sense in any of the Tom Holland like movies you, or scenes you do in far from home because it's taken like it takes a front seat to how he gets through mysterio stuff but that, but think it's of, okay also in whatever it's called um infinity war as well where his hair stands up but, well, but it's that, never like there's never a cue or never something completely explaining it till later. When does his also, hair stand up all, in Infinity War? I do not remember. When, when he's on, on, on the bus. bus. Also, um, Rob. Oh, shit. Get, 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 a, get a pen and paper. Right? Get a pen and paper real quick. No. One hour, 18 no. minutes, 43 seconds. Uh, Captain America Civil War. You'll have your answer to stuff you were talking about earlier. I, th- I feel like um, you just gave me the timestamp for when Robert Downey Jr. spikes the camera and says, I want to fuck Marissa Tomei. <laughs> 
That's what <laughs> yes, use Game of the Time stand for. Literally, yeah. there's nothing else to that scene. I swear to God. I will rewatch it for the next recording. I was about to say tonight. I'm, there's no way I'm rewatching that tonight. I, so I have to jump in now. You guys have, have all been kind of back and forth with Rob about this. What it comes down to is whenever you're trying to make a movie that's digestible, there are certain things that you don't have time for. And as any good author knows, you should start late and end early. And uh, and okay, I think yeah. that's what they were trying to do. Ben, we, you and I have talked about this before, but here's – oh, God. I don't know. I don't think that's a good comparison. I very recently watched the Inaritu movie Beautiful, the Spanish-language film Beautiful. There's a scene in that movie where it is revealed very early on that Javier Bardem has cancer, like late-stage like, you know, bone, liver. Spoiler and... alert. It, it literally happens in the first 20 minutes. It's a fucking seven-hour movie, Zangers. <laughs> the thing is that as I watched this movie, one of the people I watched it with was like, dude, what's going on? Like, he's on chemo. Like, why isn't he losing his hair? Why isn't he sick or anything like that? And I'm like, I think the movie's just trying to do the bare minimum to know that he's dying. Is that what you're saying, Ben, is that the movie is doing the bare minimum amount of work to make sure we as the audience know what a Spider-Man is type of thing? Well, it's it's I'm not I don't want to call it bare minimum amount of work because it's not that they're being lazy. It's that whenever you're telling a story, you can only devote so much time to each part of it. That, like, you've, already, that is you've already complained what that there's lazy not is. No, like, it's not. Yeah, they have to pick and choose what they're going to show. Like, in, in the movie I just mentioned, Javier Bardem doesn't lose his hair. We don't get many scenes of him in chemo. We just know he's in chemo, he has cancer, we know that he's going to die. Isn't that the same thing that we as a culture know that cancer means death, like Spider-Man's means spider-senses? So, okay, you're, I don't think your example is a, is a perfect parallel. It does sound lazy in, in whatever cancer movie you're talking about. The movie's kind of really good, I just have to say. But please continue. <laughs> But the thing is, like, they have – do you want a three-hour movie? Like, Oh, no. If, no. So you don't want a three-hour movie. You're complaining that there's less action in it than there should be. Yeah. So, like, what do you cut out? Like, you have Everything to with up. Gwen Stacy. Peter Parker should never have a love interest in the first movie. Period. That's, I think that's Why? what I said last time. The bullshit in the first Raimi movie was everything with Mary Jane and James Franco, who played Harry Osborn. That's a huge part of the character, historically speaking. I know. I know. Like, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. That's the shit I hate. I don't well, want. Well, yeah, you're you're allowed to hate that, but in terms of telling a story, that's really compelling for most people. Is it compelling enough to hire a romantic comedy director to focus on that in your two fifteen two hour fifteen minute movie? Uh, well, no, I probably wouldn't have made that decision. That, okay, I, I, so I know what you're saying, Ben, and I do agree with you when we get down to this movie, The Amazing Spider-Man. It's two hours, 15 minutes long, maybe a less, I don't know, with credits, it's probably two hours. There's so much romantic shit in this movie. And if you remember from last week, that's why I love the first Spider-Man from the Raimi so much. I was like, there's no bullshit in this movie until like 75 minutes in when relationship stuff starts. And yeah, I mean, this is me, I'm... I'm Zach knows this, Ben knows this. If you should never have something in a movie, it's characters falling in love. I just want Spider-Man. So I know I'm coming from that very biased perspective, but at the same time, if we if we tie this back to the powers that we're supposed to expect, isn't it kind of unfair to dilapidate what our hero can do for more time on the romantic aspects with Gwen Stacy? Like, the human I, experience is why most people watch movies. That's what stories are for, for humans, is telling us how to live. 
and telling us like You're not what wrong. to be in the story's journey. Like the hero's journey, like always includes some kind of romantic. No, interest. no, no, no. You're not wrong, Ben. I I just mentioned the movie Beautiful by Inaritu. That movie is two and a half hours. It is the most depressing thing you will ever see. Nobody's a good character. That's what I want. I don't want happiness in my romance. Well, then I mean you're not the uh, the demographic. No. I, I, well, <laughs> yes, I think that's been. Clear for this Spider-Man series. I, I think it's fair to say These movies that fucking Rob is an suck. Un- Any movie Rob- with Spider-Man will inherently suck. <laughs> Rob is an unconventional movie goer. I think that's the the nicest way to put it. But I know what you're saying, Ben. I I totally understand what you're saying. But why, to me, to put this into perspective of not, I'm trying to be objective as possible. Why not balance the powers with the relationships and show how they play off of each other, which I think Spider-Man 2, with Tobey Maguire, did really fucking well. Why is this movie so disjointed? Both of these, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, why are they so much like, we're just gonna fall into the mire of 45 minutes of family relationships, and then maybe there's a fight scene, and then we're just gonna go back into relationships. Shouldn't we have a better blend, is what I'm saying. Um, well, I mean, that disjointedness is, is kind of part and parcel of Spider-Man. Like, he switches back and forth. Okay, okay, I'm glad you say that, because, of course, we have the ego and the alter ego. But is that what people want to see? To bring it back to the common audience, don't people want to see Spider-Man fucking people up? Definitely. Okay, I gotta point this out. Zach is here, so I don't understand why you keep on saying audience. It's a bunch of filthy cash. Oh, I I should say a cinema audience. Zanger, we have the cinema audience on this podcast. Disgusting. Disgusting. (laughs) Ben, I don't know, thoughts? Ben coined cinema audience. Any thoughts on that, Ben? (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty disgusting. But it I'm, is pretty, I'm a it fan is pretty of, disgusting. I'm a fan <laughs> of, we're good. We're good. But I mean, I I think you guys know what I'm saying is that there's there's too much, and what I brought up before the 500 of summer, Mark Webb bringing in that what they quoted was that like sharp touch to Parker's personal life. Isn't that too much of the personality? Like I don't know. I think I love. The superhero movies that I love, like The Dark Knight, which is not a hot take, because that's not a Batman movie. That's about the villain. I want to see more movies exploring the psychology of the villain or the hero, where The Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, I would say something like what? It's got to be like 66% of these two movies is their relationship, and that is way too much for me. And it's a bland, vanilla relationship. Well, I mean, like, kind of. They, they did start dating cream. in real life, saying, I don't you know. <laughs> Apparently, oh, their I, on-screen I chemistry was that. so good. <laughs> like, it's the that vanilla of relationship. There are no sprinkles, no hot fudge, and I'll be damned if there'll be caramel on that thing. Or if are you, you, you want to be that you're upset caramel. that this uh, that this relationship doesn't have any glaring red flags? Oh, you mean I like all of them? No, that's the thing. In, in every movie, like, when they make exciting relationships, it's all red flags. It's all just, like, scary, manipulative shit that you should never tolerate in The red flag in the first movie is Dennis Leary as uh, Captain Stacy. The red flag in the second movie is insecurity? Dennis Leary's ghost. <laughs> it's, 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 I, right. I, I literally think, right. Ben, Ben, I am agreeing with you. I want to that clear. I know what they're going for with the emotional perspective in both of these movies, the emotional perspective is so shallow and hardened that it is not, like, tangible. Like, I have no, I have no care. Like, when, when Andrew Garfield's like, I'm, I'm Spider-Man, you know, tells Gwen Stacy. I'm just like, okay, what's this gonna matter? He's still gonna have to fight the fucking lizard. 
Like, what is the what is the point of these movies? They're so formulaic. Uh-huh. I guess uh-huh. we're, we're uh-huh. really getting down to my bare bones, which is going to come in a lot next week at the MCU. Everything is useless in these movies. Including his secret identity, which he shows to anyone in five seconds. Oh, I'm trying to save this kid. Take off my mask. Oh, I kind of like this girl that offered to have me have dinner at her house. Branzino, baby. Branzino, baby. Wait till we get to snacks. I have so much to say about that scene. (laughs) Uh, Girlfriend's dad dying. Take off my mask. Cops put handcuffs on me. They take, take off, off my mask. Yeah, yep. I, I think it's something, you know, to just to, to, to put a tail end on what I was saying to you, Ben, I think it's something Zach has said many times before. There are sometimes you have a superhero movie where the superhero can't keep his mask on. And that's how I feel Andrew Garfield plays the back half of the first movie and the entirety of the second movie. And that is bad. I want the superhero to be the superhero. I don't want to have to juggle a romantic relationship, especially when it's going to end as stupidly as the second movie does with Gwen Stacy dying. I have to say that right now. <laughs> what's what's stupid about it? Oh my god! Yeah. Spider-Man shoots a web out of his arm that turns into a hand? What cinematography? What? That's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've, e- I've literally ever seen in my life. Like, literally? About. <laughs> uh, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I just want to point out I am so proud Emma Watson does not have to appear in any of the sequels to this because her character's dead. So I guess she could just stand there and be a ghost in the next movie along <laughs> with her father from the movie as Spider-Man goes and continuously murders the entire okay. Stacy okay. family oh, unintentionally. J- Zanger? There are three Zanger? more boys and a wife he still has to kill. Zanger, I'm, I want you to stop so hard I almost called you by your first name. I have to get to that. I want to finish Ben's thought. Ben, when Gwen Stacy is falling down the clock tower, Andrew Garfield is falling down to try and catch her. He shoots a web out of his built, his mechanical built web slinger, and we see that it turns into a hand, like four fingers and a thumb, to try and catch her. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in a movie. I did not see that. I must not have been paying. Ben! No, it's there. Ben! It oh, my so God! There. Ben, you got to watch this again. It's the fucking <laughs> stupidest thing in the universe. Like, literally, it zooms into the tip of Spider-Man's web, and we see his web form a hand to, to grab Gwen Stacy. Okay, but what's... Wait, well, all right, so, so the cinematics of it are stupid. But what's yes. stupid about the story elements? Oh, Thank well, you, Thank sto- you, well, story element... Gwen Stacy has to die. It's the night Gwen Stacy died. It's the, the story they're pulling from. The story elements will make the movie. If I wanted to read a good story, I'd read the fucking comic book. We're not talking about the comic book. We're talking about this movie where they make terrible cinematic choices to tell a story that's been told better before. I guess. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. That's the correct answer. It, seems like, it seems like Zenger and I are on, our, uh, on each other's side. Uh, Zach, what okay. You... okay. Okay, yeah, please. I have to get a read in the, like, on the room. I'm not going to ask if you think these movies are – you think this is a good or bad movie. Okay. Did you enjoy it? Zero. Okay. I, I th- thank you. <laughs> Just in case that wasn't clear anybody That's listening. for both as well, yes. <laughs> okay. Zenger, did you enjoy these movies? Not like, but you like, – do you feel like you wasted four hours of your life? I just watched that fucking scene again. It's – okay. you can call it a hand because the strands are 
in some kind of hill shape so that that maybe it could okay, be in the ben, shape of yeah, okay, yeah, Ben, you but just watched that scene. Again. This is what they want. They've literally said Kurtzman and Orsi in the second movie has said they wanted the web to turn into a hand. That's a fact. It's supposed to be a a fucking okay. human hand. Okay. Okay, but it doesn't turn into a human hand. It's five individual strands that make up this tunnel of web. It's a hand. Like, you, Ben, we've talked about this. You're the, you're the first person who ever told me in my life that two dots and a line make ben. a face. Fucking five lines make a hand. Right? Ben. Ben. This is Hold a fucking hand. hand. It's the stupidest fucking no, thing. Well, what I'm getting at is that when you said this, you said it turns into a hand. I pictured a human hand. <laughs> not... No, I mean, it's still the web. I mean, I'm not saying, like, it's transmogrified into Andrew Garfield. <laughs> We're having so, a fun time. It's it's okay. very late over here. <laughs> maybe it, maybe it like bre- like vaguely resembles a hand, and maybe that was on purpose, and maybe that's stupid. But I don't have any like, what's what's the problem with her death as as a scene? Like oh, why no. why did you say that it ends in a stupid way? Oh no no no! Not her death scene does not end in a stupid way. The movie ends in a stupid way. Like Which him is. him, what, him the dealing fight you want to see no him dealing with the loss of Gwen Stacy is just literally like they dumped it on us to have an emotional final point, and they were like go fuck yourself because I I think you know after Gwen Stacy dies which I will give you Ben when Gwen Stacy hits the floor and breaks her neck or whatever's supposed to happen that's rough like that's a rough shot that is a really gruesome thing. But then the end of the movie is just like Spider-Man's like, yeah, I guess I'm back. I'm fighting Rhino. And I'm like, okay, like, what? why? What Shouldn't the movie have ended with Spider-Man being totally despondent, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to do because he gave up on the promise from Dennis Leary in the first movie. He lost Gwen Stacy in the second movie. It should end there. It should end with, like, Spider-Man is gone. It should lead up to that second or third movie. But instead, it's like, no, Spider-Man comes back because a little fucking kid is in well, front Rob, of the Rob, rhino. Rob, 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 Rob. Okay, Rob, I, I think, okay. It's weird. Rob's, like, arguing with us, even though we all kind of agree with him for the most part. Like, he's I think, we, I think like, we are like, all on the same thing. page and arguing different details. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like we're arguing, like, what, like, shade of orange this is. Um, it, it's like, okay. Magenta. No. That's, Zanger, you're way on the fringes of what orange is if you think orange is magenta. I just want to say that right now. Okay, but Rob, this is the thing, though. Is that, like, you're, you're not wrong, but this goes back to how, like, like, how you and I both view what a cinemonity is. Sure. In that this movie only it's, – it's like what happened with Venom 2 in that it's a movie that's there solely is, like, the appetizer to a post credit scene. Yes, yes. It's the bread. We've talked about this a lot. It's the bread. It's the appetizer. It's the bread with oil that you get while you're waiting for your main course. But that's the thing. This movie. The only problem with Marvel movies is that you never know when you're gonna get your fucking main course. They keep giving you goddamn bread. (laughs) But that's the thing. This movie. This movie's like different. Like just like kinds of bread. It's that notion, like, okay, Rob, have you ever been to one of those places that, like, will have, like, the grilled cheese sandwich where, like, they'll cut it up into, like, six different things and it's, like, different type cheese on each part? Like, you'll have, like, oh, like a Gouda, a Munster, a Cheddar, and something like that. It's just different shades of that in the sense of, like, it's just there to give you different, like, samplings of what's to come. By the end, yes. By the end, you're talking about, like, like here's the shades of what's to come. You're not talking about comparison, comparisons to the original trilogy, right? No, 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 no. Okay, I'm okay. talking about, like, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, like, in the, like, 
under the lens of 2014 yeah. and what Sony's intent was with the character. This movie was meant as exclusively as a springboard into like other things. Like, like it ends with oh, Dane sure. DeHane saying like, I've got a plan with a group of six people who have sinister things in mind. He looks directly into Zach, the lens. Honestly, th- this is a serious question. Could you understand a single word Dane DeHaan said in this movie? <laughs> He talks like he he's like is here's, that the here's my question, question I, Ben I want I want to get back to what you just you said Ben but Dane DeHaan in this movie in the second movie Amazing Spider-Man two he is doing a Keanu Reeves impression that is bad <laughs> like he sounds like he has the the sound of Keanu Reeves but the diction is all wrong Dane DeHaan sucks in the second fucking movie but Ben here's the thing I, I know we're kind of in agreement but. I think to get back to the original question, isn't it kind of how much fairness or how much work do you want to put in the audience to realize these things? I know we're going back a few points right here, but it's like how how much work of knowing what Spider-Man is do we want to be in Spider-Man movies? I think that gets to the core of what we're saying. Like if somebody if somebody doesn't know Spider-Man, shouldn't these movies work for them? That's what I'm saying. I think they still do. I don't think okay. there's any problem. That's fair. Like, I think they fail completely if you don't have knowledge of Spider-Man. But that's that's a, that's a thing that is so wild to, to contemplate because we don't have that knowledge. I know I said it to you, Zach, years ago when I watched Rogue One, a Star Wars story, for the first time. I was like, wouldn't it be great to watch this without any knowledge of what Star Wars is? Wouldn't it be an interesting academic exercise to watch this without any knowledge of what star wars is but when we get to this reboot when we get to the amazing spider-man 2 the the filmmakers are so indebted to what the audience should know and i don't know if i feel comfortable with that i mean there is the whole scene where he's in his bed freaking out like he's on drugs because everything is so loud to him like i don't think that they don't give us any of that like i i think that they just don't you know, I don't know, shove it down her throat, I uh, guess. Yeah, yeah, shove it shove it down your throat is Ben, that might be your answer. Shove it down your throat. <laughs> I think show us. <laughs> Cause in the Raimi trilogy, you know, when he gets a spider sense, we get the slow motion of all the different shit. Here we don't get any of that. You know, it, we it, get him in his room freaking out because everything is too loud. Well, what what scene are you talking about? Are you, everything is awful. Well, isn't everything loud? Is this the same scene where everything is loud before he has to hide his Spider-Man suit from Aunt May? Is that the same scene or the different scenes? Uh, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Because I don't really remember exactly what you're mentioning of all the loudness. Maybe that was quick and something like that, which I'm discounting as just, oh, no, Spider-Man can hear shit. But I'm remembering the specific scene where Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, is in bed in his spider suit, and Aunt May is like, let me in, I'm Sally Field, let me in, you know, because she has no character. And Andrew Garfield, like, tries to steal his boots, but they, like, activate the door lock, they you know that scene? That was in no, Spider-Man no, 2. It's, it's not that scene. It's not that scene, okay, okay, my bad, my bad. Then. No, he's, like, sitting in his bed with his blanket wrapped around him, and he looks scared. Oh, you're talking about, like, right after the bite? Type of thing, yeah. Like, okay. Yes. Well, what? What? what once again, isn't that just a rehash of the Tobey Maguire when he was really sick after getting bit by the spider? Isn't that the inherent no, spider no, lore? That is him dealing with the fact that he has senses that he didn't have before. Everything around him is a little scarier because yeah, he's yeah, experiencing yeah. more things than normal. Yeah, it's him growing into his powers for sure. Well, Tobey Maguire got ill, 
Andrew Garfield is experiencing sensory overload. Like, there's a uh, pretty big difference. Good point, Ben. Okay, okay. Well, I like that on. point. Hold on. No. Um, no. Andrew Garfield, when he was on the um, train, was getting all sweaty and having, like, issues yeah, he, with that. He, well, yeah, so he also got, got ill, at least for a small amount of time. But what I'm talking I mean, about then that he got scene ill. Is, is not him getting ill. He, it is him having sensory overload. That's what my point. Okay. I'm not saying that he didn't get sick. I'm saying that that's not what that scene was. Okay, well, I, I take your point. That's actually a really good idea. Uh, the difference of how you know they got their powers. Let's take it back to what we were saying earlier. Ben, which do you like better? Do you want the sickness and then you get powers? Or do you want sensory overload of powers? That's a Spider-Man question. Hold on. Um, are, are you down with the sickness? Or <laughs> do you have a license to ill? Oh, Zanger. Oh, Zanger. That... <laughs> That hurt me. How have we not had you about. on for oh, 10 months, 11 months at this point when this comes out? Sanger, what have we been doing without without this golden commentary? <laughs> I just save it up. But Ben, what, 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 which would you prefer? I know this is actually why we have Zanger on here, because last week my biggest question was, do you like natural web slingers or mechanized web slingers? Zanger's asking the real questions. You want that overload? You want that gradual. Ben, what do you think? <laughs> uh, are you talking about if I was to get spider powers? I mean, in, okay, or, now I want both. I want your answer to what you want to see Spider-Man in a movie, and I want your answer. If you got spider powers, would you want them to cascade you or slowly fuck you up? <laughs> uh, I mean, I experience sensory overload normally. So, like spider sensory over there? <laughs> no, just, just you get like eight eyes over here. <laughs> no, but honestly, Ben, what I want to know is the Spider Man story. Which do you prefer? Uh, I, I like the sensory overload version. Okay. I like him like freaking out, not knowing how to interpret all the all the new information that he's that he's receiving. It's really jarring, you know? That's kind of one of the things I like Andrew Garfield's performance in that subway scene where he's getting all his powers at once. It's jarring to him and the audience, and we kind of feel. That, I think, is where Mark Webb comes into play. He knows how to play empathy from our characters type of thing. It's the action that falls apart. Yeah, and I mean, he definitely, we definitely get the sense that he does not know what the fuck's going on. And that's, yes. that's yes. what I want from Spider-Man I, I kind of do have to say in that subway scene when he, like, rips off the girl's blouse, he, like, beats up some dudes, that type of thing. He keeps saying sorry. <laughs> Yeah. I, I kind of really like that, where he's just like, no, I didn't mean to do this. I'm sorry. He's like, oh, no. And I think when he rips off the blouse, he, like, covers his eyes or turns his head a little bit type of thing. He's Canadian. That's so. Uh, no, he's not Canadian. He's nerdy. That's the nerdy aspect I was talking he's about. He's not nerdy. He's uncomfortable. Those are different. Those so, are. So wait a second. In 2012, so, those were the same thing. That might be the encapsulation of what you guys were talking about before. You guys wanted the fucking nerdy Spider-Man who's just a, a recluse and doesn't know how to talk to people. That doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it does, but those people usually, you know, shoot up schools or drop out. The nerdy Whoa. kids in school are these kids who look away from boobs and shit like that. This is the modern nerd. That's why I think I like it so much. So wait a second. The modern so nerd doesn't skateboard. The so modern nerd totally skateboard. Are you fucking kidding me, Ben? The modern nerd doesn't skateboard. You know how you know who skateboards these days? Nobody. 
You know who's fucking longboarded in my college? Nerds. The actuarial science nerds. I I disagree with you completely. Nerds skateboard these days. He doesn't, but he okay, doesn't wait, longboard. Wait. He skateboards. They're fucking the same thing. They take the same no. amount of balance. I'm extrapolating. No, Ben's like, Rob, you can't extrapolate. Go fuck yourself. No, you can't so, extrapolate, and you know better. You guys know what I'm saying at base level, is that the nerd in 2012 is different from the nerd that we grew up with, which is a minor point of mine. I don't disagree with you that Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker nerd is incorrect. It probably is somewhat incorrect, but it's closer to what I know of nerds in the modern era. Like, when Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man came out, I was in my undergrad. When Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man 2 came out, Ben and I were living together. We were in that era of 2010 to 2015. I think nerds were a little more like the D&D nerds. I don't think we need a nerd Peter Parker who's so timid it's fucking painful to watch, which is, I think, what Peter Parker, uh, sorry, Tobey Maguire was. Okay, yeah, wait, that's what wait, I'm saying. Wait. The better character is a mix of the two. Like, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. Shouldn't be, he shouldn't be timid. He should be uncomfortable. But he also shouldn't be confronting Flash. Like those, I agree. That's... I agree. You're right there. You're right there that the ideal is a combination of the two. So I just want to make sure of something. So you want your Spider-Man to be to fight for for your right to party when yeah. when he's getting no sleep till Brooklyn with his <laughs> new style of ripping that girl's shirt off. But I mean, it, I mean, so 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 you're not down with the sickness? Ooh, ah ah ah! You did that one. <laughs> but no, that I think that's what I'm feeling. Zach, I gotta throw you in here. What do you think? What's your Spider-Man? Because I think that was one thing. That Ben was able to very well articulate what he likes about Spider-Man last week. I think you and I, Zach, were the ones who were just like, fucking movies. Like, is this better or worse than the Raimi trilogy for you? I think that's a big question I wanted to ask, Zach. Zach, is this your brass monkey? (laughs) Your fucking monkey? (laughs) Brass monkey. Oh, God. There's a reason why I've been quiet this episode. <laughs> like, Xavier's my perfect surrogate, though, where, like, he's, like, he's just pushing back. Like, like, there's, like, all these weird things where Rob's, like, dying on so many hills, you know, it doesn't really matter because nobody really cares about these movies. No! And Rob's just, Great like, Great no, series you picked, Zach! <laughs> a ton, okay, the people who cared about these movies were a ton of executives who were, oh, we got this Spider-Man thing! We got on lockdown! For like two years, they had Spider-Man and they <laughs> ruined it. Sorry, I, I, it was it was it three years or two? It was two glorious years of them being like, "We've got Disney by the balls." Zach was trying to answer something, and Zanger was like, two, three years, two years, two and a half years." <laughs> Zach, please continue. I, I I don't care about these movies. Like they're goofy. Like the second one's goofy fun. The first one, I wish I could just, like, crumple up and throw in the garbage can because I'm indifferent toward it. Second one's goofy fun. I love the fact that we haven't even talked about Jamie Foxx and the fact that electricity fixes a gap in his tooth. Okay, his okay, okay. Can we, can um, we make this transition? Second one's – Can we make this transition? Can, can I please – Can I please say a sentence to make this transition? Because last week, I fucking blew a fuse – when Zach said Spider-Man 3, the Sam Raimi movie Spider-Man 3, was unwatchable. Zach, this week, I think we're switched. 
I think The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is unwatchable. <laughs> it is. It, it absolutely. No, I agree with you. It's it absolutely horrendous. is. It's a mess. It's, it's, it's the biggest mess in existence from first minute to last minute type of thing. So I guess I do want to throw it over to Ben because Ben, like I mentioned before, we have a great history with this. We saw The Amazing Spider-Man 2 in theaters. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, well, that sucks, because I was going to ask you if you remembered if we saw it opening weekend or like the following weekend. But, Ben, we did see this in theaters. I'm pretty sure there's like one of the first episodes you're ever on our podcast. We ran through the movies we've seen. This is definitely one we've seen. 2014, you know, of course, we're hanging out with each other, that type of thing. I was really hoping you'd remember what I thought about it afterwards. And uh, I think the only thing we ever talked about it again, Ben, was that Jamie Foxx's Electro is a villain because Spider-Man didn't recognize him. I know we've mentioned this a few times, and I want to bring it up again. Is this the worst motivation for a villain, period? Is Electro... I, I want to remove motivation. Out of all the five Spider-Man movies we've discussed so far, so the, the three Tobey Maguire's, the two Andrew Garfield's, is Electro the worst villain out of all five? So I, I do want to point out before I answer this question that Rob just gave the like R slash R no context version of the story. <laughs> um, Electro is a villain because nobody recognizes him. He he is a villain because his entire life is shit, and the only thing he like the only way he uh, ever felt powerful at all was through being Electro. And he decides to use that power to get revenge instead of something else. So, Ben, you're, else you're right. And I, I think everybody, you know, uh, Zack and Zenger, we've watched this movie recently. You're right. That is, that is what the movie wants us to believe. I don't think it's earned, though. I think I get it, but I don't think it is fleshed out in the movie enough to make it earned. You I, know what I mean? I mean, we, we get the whole thing where his boss is like, you're the only one that has to work late on your birthday. Like, his life's shit. And he yeah. at least believes his life is shit from the experiences. Like, we see him pretending that Spider-Man remembered his birthday, and that's, yes. like, a highlight of his day. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, you're right. So we do see him depend on Spider-Man because nobody else cares about him. Would you say that's yes. fair? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And so when, when I, like, I don't, I don't agree that it's unearned in the sense that we, we see him, at the very least, hating his life. Whether we okay. see the other things that make him hate his life, I, I couldn't say. You're fair, uh, yeah, you're we, fair. I mean, we even get that great kind of, like, freak-out scene when he he jacks up BJ Novak and goes, I'm not Spider-Man, you can't talk shit about Spider-Man, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah. but that's a daydream, that type of thing. So I'm with yeah. you that it's not, can, I, I think quick, it is kind of unearned, but it's not totally unearned, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Zach, let us know, what do you think? Uh, okay, I don't care about Electro. I want to ask Zach, what? Zach, do you know no, who we're BJ talking about Novak Electro. We're talking about, what, Zach, what are you, you doing? We're talking about Electro. Can, Zenger, you you know who B.J. Novak was playing, right? Oh, it's Alan Smithy. Oh, yeah, he, he's playing Smythe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's playing... Smithy. Once again, Springboard. Alistair Smythe. Somebody, okay, I want you to know, somebody, during the theatrical run of this movie, when they heard him called Smythe, went, woo! Like, that, I, there was Actually, one person. that was me when I was watching the movie earlier today. I heard that name, my eyebrow 
went ever slightly higher on my forehead and then went back down realizing I still had more of this movie to watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just went... <sighs> also, um, the real villain of the Tobey Maguire movies is obviously... Well, actually, there's two villains that are, you know, have a dumber... Wait, what? what is it? Dumber motivation? I don't know Stupid what you're saying, Zanger, right now, but one of the villains of the original trilogy is Avi Arad. We discussed this already. What are you, what are <laughs> well, you saying? Yeah, I mean, what are you trying to backtrack screen. to? Isn't Avi Arad the villain of Sony Pictures? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you were saying the, the villain motivation. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, Electrode is the dumbest thing in the world. Well, the villain motivation of the freaking butler to not tell anybody that, hey, the guy that's dead that I worked for was actually evil. He drove, um... Okay, Zanger, here's my question. What fucking multi-billionaire was paying Electro not to be a villain? Answer that. (laughs) Electro's a villain! It's different from Green Goblin, right? Sure. If we're we're splitting hairs here, why not? Also, the true villain of the original franchise... I mean, the original trilogy is, of course... Uh, Bruce Campbell, because... Nobody did you see him. Bruce? Okay, we did. He Zanger. beat Spider Man. Yeah. We did talk he about this last Spider-Man. week. The the Bruce Campbell fucking supposed to be Mysterio. We talked about last week that type of thing. Yeah, so. he wins. Okay, Bruce Campbell always Zinger, wins. I'm glad These you bring this up. Bruce Campbell, they lost. So here's the thing: we seem to be getting into villains. Zach, I want to start with this. You said Rice Ifans earlier. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it Reese Ifans? <laughs> like literally, I'm changing the syllables. Rice Ifans. I thought it was Reese Ifans. Okay, we don't know I who heard it is. Rice-a-roni. But this is the guy. Okay, Zanger's calling him Rice Aroni. This is the guy who plays Doctor Kurt Connors in the Amazing Spider-Man. I just want to say, I really am upset that they did not bring back Dylan Baker as Doctor Connors from the Sam Raimi trilogy because I fucking love me some Dylan Baker. I wanted to pick your brains on this, Zach. Reese fans or Rice Ifans, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Are you a fan of him earlier than this movie? I don't think I really knew him earlier in this movie when I was Googling him. Um, I, I, I said in 2012, I, I did not know who he was. I kind of wanted Dylan Baker back. I don't really like Reese fans in this as the Connors role. As he's the, not uh, giving anything, but he's not he's not allowed to emote. He's there to like kind of just well, that, be that's, there that's the as other an thing. anchor point between like CGI spectacle battles. That's that's the thing that I wanted to ask uh Ben and Zenger on is that you know, being fans of the of the stories, of the comic books, that type of thing, when we put it in CGI makeup, I don't know, what did you guys think of the of the lizard? I thought he was so CGI, it was painful and boring to look at uh, I, I mean i definitely hated the way his face looked i definitely don't care for the uh like flat face look okay. i think in in some of the earlier like cartoons he had like more of a snout yeah and i yeah. definitely like that better this, this movie seemed to play him more like a dinosaur than it did a lizard and i know there's uh, a connection the between those but of course it's like we, we can tell as an audience like a dinosaur versus a lizard. Like if this thing looks like a fucking gecko, we're not going to be like, oh, that's a T-Rex, you know? This movie tried to play it both ways, I felt. Speaking of play it both ways, I have a question. Real quick and amazing segues. Um, so explain this to me. Why does his arm constantly not just stay grown 
when he goes back to being a human. Nobody can explain that to you, but it's been true forever. But it's because the Mark Webb wanted to have a theme of loss. Well, no, here's the thing. I thought it would have been better, and maybe this is just me spitballing here, if his the same arm kept on getting smashed, ripped off, or destroyed every time right before he turned back into a human. And that's why it didn't regret. How many deleted scenes from The Amazing Spider-Man have you seen, Zanger? Apparently not enough. Okay, because, Zach, I don't know if you watch these, but many deleted scenes from the original The Amazing Spider-Man are about the lizard and the limbs and the transformation and that type of stuff. Also, he's got a Kowaka. I mean, are you talking about the, the one hole for everything? Yeah. The, the one hole to rule them all. Zach, did you, cause we talked about it last week with the, um, with, uh, uh Tom McGuire Spider-Man's. Did you watch the deleted scenes for these movies? I did not watch the deleted scenes. I kind of, like, like, I glanced at, like, some summaries of them. Okay. But I was always more amazed with what they didn't include in the deleted scenes. That they did shoot, but they didn't really uh, allow anyone to see. I remember it was Shailene Woodley. Like, I remember, like, there being set photos, like, leaked in 2013 of, like, her stuff. And then, like, when the movie came out, everyone's like, where where was she? Because at that point, Shailene Woodley was kind of, like, she wasn't a star, but, like, she was, like, a, like a, a celebrity. And people were aware of her. And it's like, yeah, we cut her out because, like, her scenes didn't work. We thought it was weird, the idea of, like, Peter Parker talking to, like, other girls romantically, like, a couple of months after yeah. his, like, his girlfriend's neck got snapped. I think this transitions into a thing that we should ask Ben and Zenger. Ben and Zenger knowing some Spider-Man. Of course, Gwen Stacy was the original Spider-Man girl, which a lot of people seem to forget that Mary Jane Watson came a lot later on. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the Mary Jane of the uh, Kirsten Dunst uh, Raimi trilogy, or do you like the scientific uh, uh, badass bitch of Gwen Stacy? Because Gwen Stacy wants to be involved. Whereas the Mary Jane Watson of Kirsten Dunst in the first three movies is almost like a, I don't want to say, I kind of don't want to say it, but a token of Spider-Man to carry with him, you know? I like Gwen Stacy better. Okay, okay. Do you, do you like her because she's wearing knee-high socks, or do you like her better because she is more active in the story? Um, or both. I mean, That's Both is fair. I'm, <laughs> I'm partial to Emma Stone anyway. Okay, um, okay. But definitely, I think... Gwen Stacy is um, sentient and and present. That that's actually a really good point because now that I think about it, Gwen Stacy in these movies has more agency than uh, Kiki Dunst in the first three Raimi trilogy, where she's like, "My goal is to kiss Spider Man." Like you have one woman whose goal is to kiss Spider Man, you have another woman who whose goal is to help Spider Man. That's a big difference, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know, Ben. Uh, from your your comic book knowledge, your Spider Man knowledge, you you uh you like a well here. Let's even add this. You like a Gwen Stacy. You like a Felicia Hardy. You like a Mary Jane Watson. Who's your Spider Girl? My Spider Girl. Yeah, yeah. Who's your Who's your Spider Man love interest? I guess. Is what oh, I'm asking. I was gonna say Spider Girl is also a character. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, which is why I corrected myself because I know I'm wrong. Spider Girl uh, was a specific thing. <laughs> Felicia Hardy's black cat, right? And yeah, like, yep. Who's who's in this, these movies? We should mention, you know, of course, Felicity Jones. I figured Zach and Zanger were going to talk for seven hours about Felicity Jones. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I'll delete my dissertation I had typed up. <laughs> Gwen Stacy's great. She's useful. Felicia Hardy obviously is also useful, but she gets like superpowers and shit. 
And I, I guess their relationship's kind of fun, but it's kind of the same thing as Catwoman and, and Batman. So okay, I don't need to see it all the time, I guess. Felicia, Felicity Jones, again, springboard. It was meant to sit yeah. there, uh, introduce her for bigger and better things that didn't come to pass. Like that's, like I said, I, I do not disagree with you. This movie is as uh, a Spider-Man three feels a little more cohesive because it's not trying to set up a million different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's maybe one accolade to give this is that at least it was forward thinking, whereas Spider-Man three was more self-contained yes. um, for better or worse. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you that Felicia Hardy is kind of a non-entity in this. Not at Outside all. being another name drop. So, Zach, did you watch the um, deleted scenes with, like, her romantic involvement with uh, Dane DeHaan? I, I'm, awa- I'm aware of it. To be fair, like, after you hear it, they shot a scene of Chris Cooper's, like, head, like, in a, like, a freezer. Yeah. And they didn't yes. put it in the film or give us access to it. My brain just turns off because I'm like, I, nothing else matters in life. I want to see Chris Cooper as, like, a head in a jar. So I honestly did not remember that Harry Osborn, played by Dane DeHaan, only showed up in the second movie. I thought for sure he was going to have, like, a cameo or, like, a little moment in the first movie. And then he just shows up in the second movie out of nowhere. I had no recollection. That Chris Cooper played fucking Norman Osborn. That was wild to me. I have to say, Harry Osborn, an important Spider-Man character. Dane DeHaan sucks in the second movie. Dane DeHaan is almost ruinous. I, I think there's a reason why Hollywood has really disposed of him because he is pretty one note. In this, I don't. Again, he is a one note actor. I blame him, but I also think he's given a very, very superficial. God, forget two-dimensional, one-dimensional performance. He's basically doing James Franco light in this, as in, like, the character. Yes. Uh, again, the, the reason why he's not in the first film is because they wanted to distance themselves from Raimi. They were afraid that anything with the word Osborne was going to automatically connect it to Raimi outside yes. of just Oscorp, which was going to be their uh, plot device to make them out to be, the, the like, the, uh, the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the creation of Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin? It's an afterthought to make him the leader of the Sinister Six, which is what they're literally doing with No Way Home. Afterthought. That's my – that's probably the best way to sum it up. Afterthought. Dane DeHaan ruined multiple comic book movies. He must be stopped. (laughs) I mean I definitely don't even like him as Harry Osborn really. He's like the inverse of the Andrew Garfield situation where he's like too nerdy to be Harry Osborn. It's almost like he's not even too nerdy. He's too – prim and proper you know which i get he should be from with a rich family but the whole movie sets up how it's like he was sent away to boarding school he should be rough and tumble he's just hard to look at also (laughs) Uh, his his transformation into the goblin is is unearned he's uh yeah he stumbles into it that's very strange absolutely and on that topic when we get the scene with andrew garfield as peter parker and he went back to, uh, you know, Dr. Connor's lab, and he's like, give him the formula. It's late in the movie. There is one cut to when Andrew Garfield, Peter Parker, looks over the table, and there's a giant mutated rat. Yeah. Dude, I would watch a fucking three-hour movie about that rat. I love that rat. That rat was my fucking spirit animal. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing sequence. It really is. Like it comes out of nowhere. It's kind of it the best thing. 
Oh, no, that's the sort of thing that, like, it just makes you wonder, like, how bad did Mark Webb had to fight to get that included in the movie? Because mm-hmm. there's no, how much clout did he have to use to get that one, like, what, seven-second moment in the film? That weird crocodile rat thing is my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> I love it. What do you guys have to say? Were there any moments? Are there characters? Uh, I, there's one thing I want to say. How here. likely are you to watch this again? Never. Ben, exactly. please give us a character I, uh, breakdown. <laughs> I, I mentioned with the Tobey Maguire movies that they just felt super low stakes. Yes. Um, I like the stakes in the first Amazing Spider-Man a lot better. I like the lizard man mm. is trying to gas all of Manhattan or whatever. Would you say that's because it's more comic book-like? Like, Definitely. Like, like okay. I, I feel like okay. they picked a good level of threat for Spider-Man to be dealing with on his own. In all honesty, I do actually like the Spider-Man suit from um, Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's cool for what it is. That's the one with the bigger eyes, right? Is yeah, that what they changed? Yeah, the bigger it, eyes? Okay. I'm like, it's cool. It works. I like it. It doesn't make up for blaring other issues, but I, I just... In in a world of what if and all that, I just wonder what could have been if the Sony verse had moved on and the MCU was the one that died. Mm-hmm. Like, where could we be right now? Are you saying like, could the eyes be his whole head? No, no, <laughs> like, no. Could the eyes just... keep getting bigger. No, sorry. Okay, one that would side. Ben. That would be the cool. Spider-Man I direct. Is that somebody? grows eight eyes in their face. <laughs> the thing I was trying to say was the eyes are cool. On a side note, I want to know what reality I could live in where the Sony-verse won out and the MCU was the one that failed instead. Well, that, that is like, the... what crazy world we could be living yeah, in. That is a crazy question to ask Sanger. We do live in that world. It's called Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Yeah, they had to reset the universe for a third time to finally kind of get it right and even then it's not right none of it's right i mean i feel like that's how sony makes movies is just they have people in boardrooms who are like we need to get someone to write this they all look around and go we'll do it and then next thing we know we have sequel after sequel after sequel that are just trying to cash in on it's a it's a snowball it becomes before we get into that i actually have a question for ben and zanger because in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, when Andrew Garfield decides to, you know, go to London with Emma Stone, remember that scene on top of the, I think it's the Verrazano Bridge, where he's like, I'm going to come with you. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. Are there Spider-Mans in other countries? Did, has this ever happened? Has there been a series of Spider-Man that takes place in a country that is not America? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, shit. Same? I mean, when he's on the Avengers. I think that would be hilariously fun. Well, Ben, I want to throw it over to you. Do you have any thoughts on these two Spider-Man movies? No, I think I think I kind of mentioned it with the stakes. Like, I, I felt like these were better in terms of being comic book stories. Okay. Despite, it, in terms of the, the interactions with the villains. I mean, I, I haven't analyzed it from the standpoint of, like, do they... Do get too far into the relationships or anything like that, mm-hmm. so so I can't say anything about that. Can you compare that to the villains from both these movies? Uh, did you prefer 
like Lizard over Electro? Did you have a, a stance on that? I probably prefer the Lizard okay. over the over Electro. I mean, Electro, there's some fun stuff in, in that movie, and I really enjoyed the, the quippiness of, you know, whenever he's fighting Electro or, or dealing with Electro. Yeah. It's almost like the second movie when, when uh, Spider-Man is dealing with Electro, it's like he has time for this shit, you know? Like, he takes the time to give Electro a pep talk, you know? <laughs> right. It's yeah, really and, weird. It's fun. It's Spider-Man, but it's weird, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and I I personally enjoy that, you know? I mean, I I like seeing Spider-Man try to be a good guy all around, not just not just be the superhero and fighting people and, and destroying property, but sure. also a- actually trying to, like, talk someone down and not have it cause a fight. That's a moment we didn't really talk about at the start of The Amazing Spider-Man 2 when, um, you know, Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man is fighting off the great Paul Giamatti as Alexa Stenchevich or something like that, you know? He has the time to take a break and give Jamie Foxx a pep talk. He has the time to take a break and save some kids. You know, th- this movie puts so much comic book nonsense in it that I have to appreciate it for that reason. Yeah, I, I think that's, like, the biggest takeaway is, like, despite the fact that as Peter Parker, I, I really don't like Andrew Garfield. Well, I don't, I don't like, I can't, I don't know that it's Andrew Garfield's fault. I just don't like what they do with Peter Parker in this story. Sure. I really do prefer these movies to the Sam Raimi ones. Ooh, and, and, okay. In large what? part. What? Uh, in large part because Peter Parker's or because Spider-Man's actually quippy and not just like a whiny bitch the whole time. Uh, uh. I thought you were gonna have way more feedback from Zenger and, and Zach on that. I thought I, that's I, why I didn't say anything. It, <laughs> it's someone's opinion. Opinions can be wrong. Maybe somebody knows here because I, I remember even like as somebody who followed the news about these films back in the early 2010s. Who was the car- the silhouetted man in the coat and hat supposed to be? Like, like who is that supposed to be building toward? That's the gentleman. Oh, thank you, Rob. You're, that, you're, congratulations. No, that, that's you're literally good. what he's called. The head of the Sinister Six is called the gentleman. Ben, am I wrong on this? That I actually, I actually have way less experience with the Sinister Six than okay. I probably should. But that that like the gentleman, the shadowy figure is the ruler of the Sinister Six, which they set up in both the first and second movies. But the second movie, they set it up with a before credit scene. Zach, I figured we'd have to talk about this. The mid credit scene of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Was, was an advertisement for Days of Future Pants. It was only in theaters. It, was the scene, it wasn't a trailer. It was a scene, it was a scene where uh, Jennifer Lawrence goes to Vietnam. It was that this is a Sony film and X-Men was a Fox film. Of Mark Webb directing this movie, broke his contract with Fox. He did not direct a second movie for Fox. And their fucking way to solve this was to advertise a Fox movie at the end of a Sony movie. Were there any moments you guys wanted to mention? Is there anything we should talk about with these movies before we talk about the background, you know? And Ben, I want to throw over to you because, you know, you have the Spider-Man theory behind you. Do you want, like, a better Spider-Man, a worse Spider-Man? I don't know. Any moments you wanted to highlight? I think I'm good. I mean, I don't really... Some of of the moments that that were nice, you know, I mean, like like Spider-Man fighting the guy who becomes the Rhino at the beginning of the movie. And he's just like... Oh, shit. um, Okay. Ben, you just reminded me. Andrew Garfield... Sorry. Spider-Man... 
flinging a manhole cover into a villain and then cut to credits. Is this bad or good? It's pulpy, which is which which it's not offensive. I don't know. I want to know, Ben. Ben, what do you think? What do you think about that cut off right before a fight with a major villain? What do you think? I think that they shouldn't have started that yet. I agree. They shouldn't have started that fight yet. They should have finished it. I would agree. I would say they should have finished it because this movie was lacking on action. But yeah, so the thing I was saying is like, you know, Spider-Man being quippy with him, being like, oh, hey, you can call me Webhead or, or whatever. Hey, my name is Spider-Man. You can call me Webhead. You can call me Amazing. Just don't call me late for dinner. You get it? <laughs> Not a shaker. Uh, you a hugger? I am killer. Whoa, okay. Warning, plutonium-238 is a radioactive material and is highly explosive. So, I mean, the, the reason I bring it up is just it's it's good, goofy Spider-Man shit, and that's what I want from these movies. Okay, I kind of agree with you. The opening rhino scene is great. It's fun. It's like over-the-top hammy performance of a Russian villain. But that end is just so tacked on, right? Well, I mean, I I, I don't hate the, like, oh, Spider-Man's coming back thing that they okay. did. Okay. I know I know that you were you had some complaints about that. I, I don't hate that. Uh, a bunch well, of cock teases. Presumably to get you to see the next movie, right? So so you're you're coming from the perspective of we're doing what we can as a studio to hope we can make money later on. More or less, yeah. Yeah, that and that's what Spider-Man for the most part fucking is. Absolutely. That brings us to our questions. And we have to start with cinemodities and or late night movies. And once again, Zach, I'm throwing over to you. Are we pairing them together or splitting them apart? Rob, do do whatever you think is best. I don't think there's a reason to watch either of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans without watching the other. And that's a big question I had for you guys. Do you think this is a a two-part series? Do you think there's any worth watching one of them over the other? What do you think? I could have gone 10 years without watching it at all and it lived my life perfectly Sounds like Zanger's joining them together. Ben, what do you think? Do you think <laughs> one is better than the other? Do you think they should be joined together? What do you think? I mean, I don't know. I If, if I'm going to watch one, I'm probably going to watch both. But okay. that's not necessarily because it's in, it's required. It's just I suspect that if I like Spider-Man enough to watch one of these and another one comes out, I probably want to watch it too. Here's my answers. No, 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 no. <laughs> Across the board, none of these are cinemodities. None of these are late night movies. I don't want to watch these again. I don't want to talk about these again. Cinemodities? Not really. I mean, they're it's superhero shit. It's not a, an oddity at this point. Ben, you just um, fucking spoke my language. You're like it's superhero shit. Late night? I mean, yeah, totally. That's probably when I'm going to watch these. If I'm going to watch them, it's going to be at night. Am I going to suggest them to anybody that I know that I? Don't know love Spider-Man? Probably not. Okay, so you're going late night with a caveat. Of course, okay. as I always do. Okay. You know, it's just know your audience, you know? that's the And if your audience likes yeah. Spider-Man, then that's, that's there are people that might want to watch this. And my answers are probably the same for both of them, except I guess if you want to hear electric Jamie Foxx voice, 
maybe that one's a little more odd, but I don't know. Nothing. Did you guys notice that in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, when Jamie Foxx first turned into Electro, the score had words in it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is this the dumbest thing you've ever heard? Nobody yeah. should ever do this. No, I mean, I, I think it was... I think the the role it played in the movie was to kind of give us the idea that he's having a psychotic break. And I think it did fine. If I ever have to watch a movie where dubstep is used as a weapon again, I'm going to be very angry. That's fair. That's fair. So, uh, Zach, I don't think we got it clearly. Cinemodities, late night. Uh, quintessential cinematities for all the aforementioned okay. reasons. Just like for the last three minutes of talking about the words and a score. That's actually a good point. That is pretty odd. It's so fucking stupid. Ben, don't say odd. It's stupid. <laughs> it's pretty odd. Second movie is a late night movie. First one's your conventional superhero origin story. Okay. And that brings us to Snacks. What about that? Did Zanger give his Oh, did Zanger give his uh, Cinemodies Late Night? Does Zanger know what that means? I No, I, I said I could go another 10 years not watching. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. That brings Whatever us Whatever you to... want to classify that as. <laughs> Thank you, Zanger. That brings us to the restaurant. We're talking about snacks. I want the giant rat from Dr. Connor's office in the first movie. I want to re like contextualize that Andrew Garfield sees a giant demonic rat, not because it is mutated from Dr. Connor's experiments, because it has escaped from the cinematic restaurant. <laughs> so I want to let everybody know that that giant fucking half rat, half crocodile is what you're gonna encounter in the Cinemodities restaurant. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything too crazy. Probably uh, fish heads. Maybe fish heads on strings. For I some don't reason. know if you can use fish heads after James and Giant Peach. Why not? I think you used it already. Did I? Didn't you That's... pitch fish heads, or was that me? I don't know. <laughs> um, what else? Probably lizard tails. Like, why not? You know. Oh, Ben, I think I want to join in with what you just said. So, in the first movie, we get Andrew Garfield following f- lizards and, f- you know, lizard heads to get to Dr. Connor's lair in the subway. That's what he does in fucking Under the Silver Lake. He follows coyotes. So, I think if you see a coyote or a lizard, fucking follow that son of a bitch. It's going to bring you something cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of that was legitimately one of my snacks I, I got a good snack so in honor of New York we're gonna do pizza but we're actually gonna do like pizza rolls cause you know you can have pizza anytime but they're not filled with pizza they're filled with cigarette butts and like chewing tobacco backwash <laughs> because that's what this movie is Zang, can is... I tell you I know at least three people right now that would actually eat that <laughs> well no because because I mean what what this movie is is it's like oh this this seems to be okay on the outside but then once you get into it you're like oh 
Never mind. And also, <laughs> as you attempt to eat these, a disapproving father figure will yes. appear only to you. I, I think I have Just something very similar to that in the sense that um, um we should be eating Dr. Connor's regrown arm. Yeah, like every time perfect. he regrows his arm, we cut it off and make it a meat. Mm, shoulder. What do you guys got? Anything else? Zach? Uh, ben? Anything else? Aunt May's meatloaf. I think that's an open and shut one. Uh, <laughs> oh, I had that. I had that. Yeah. Aunt May's meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. I, I, I got one. I got one, too. Lizard rinds. Okay. You know, what, what, his skin all flakes off. What, what, yeah. Oh, oh you're, you're trying to just fucking shave <laughs> off lizard skin and eat it? You don't just shave it off. It just comes off of him. You just get a bucket and put it in there. I also, I want, much like in the first film, we had the lizard who has just like a giant mortar on top of a skyscraper. <laughs> I think we should have a giant mortar that just launches whatever we want. It could be like like viruses, like liz- like the lizard has, or antidotes, or heck, it can be just confetti. I think we should have a, like a comically large mortar. Can it be infected confetti? Sure. It can be, it can be uh, a combo. Oh, perfect. All right, Rob, do your outro. Everybody's tired. Okay, any other uh, moments from these movies you guys want to talk about? Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 1, 2, anything like that? Zanger, we got you on here. Any thoughts about uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, any of these characters? Go watch Fantastic Mr. Fox. I love that movie. Real quick, my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Just gotta say. Mine too. What made you say that, Zenger? Of all the things I that were going to know. Oh, God. I opened that can. All right. Close right. it. We'll, close I'm, it. I'm gonna go. Yeah. It's, it's we'll, we'll, for me. We'll do, we'll do a different Wes Anderson series. If you guys have nothing else to discuss with our questions. I got one more snack. Okay. It's just a lasagna. Just in general? <laughs> yeah, it's just a lasagna for Garfield. Okay. That's... <laughs> That's fair. I guess End we got to do that. <laughs> okay, well, then, next week, we will be covering the Tom Holland Spider-Man series, which is uh, the one I haven't seen and the one I am least excited to watch, so we'll see how that goes. And then oh, I think, boy. other than that, we're going to talk about how, one, Zenger, thank you so much for being here. You have added a level of Spider-Man knowledge that I think all three of us, me, Zach, and Ben, are happy that you have added. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Zach and Ben, please illuminate us if you hated Zanger on this episode. <laughs> please do. I, I didn't hate Zinger. What do we do for that one? <laughs> don't, did, okay, okay. Well, then, the question becomes, I think the best way to end this episode is to play one of two songs that blew my fucking mind away when I got the needle drop in this series. And I think I want to just dive into one. No Way Down by The Shins. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in the first Amazing Spider-Man, when we get the first shot of of uh, Andrew Garfield as a high schooler, like... I think it starts with him like closing his locker or opening his locker or something like that. We get a needle drop of No Way Down by The Shins.
and it does not fit at all. It is irrelevant. It is the worst song they ever could have used for that moment, and I think we should play that in reverse because Zach and Ben, they know this about me, my cardinal sin is using music incorrectly. And I would like to double down now and use the music they played incorrectly in reverse for our episode. Does that make sense? Are you guys behind that? No complaints. I regret every decision I've made up to this point in my life. How about that? God dang it. Stop taking my lines. (laughs) Zanger, we thank you so much for being here. We thank you for giving your input on the Spider-Man series, that type of thing. I hope that the next time you and I talk to each other, it's about something more interesting. Because, of course, at the end of 2020, we had Zenger on for the uh, Wonder Woman 1984 episode. And then, of course, Zach and I were on Zenger's episode about dinosaurs, colon, dinosaurs, dinosaurs. I don't know what the fuck that movie was. Zenger, I hope one day we get to talk about something we like to talk about. (laughs) But thank you for being here. (laughs) Oh, no problem. It was it was real. It was fun. I can't say it's been real fun. <laughs> Thank, uh, you. Thank you. I'm not going to 